Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. I am a Chicago-based 33-year-old entrepreneur, pop culture commentator, author, little this, little that. For today's purposes, I am uh, advice giver extraordinaire, a wannabe Delilah of late night talk show radio fame, aka my dream job, where I get to play tunes uh, soothe your soul and just, you know, like Delilah, tell you to love someone tonight. Isn't that all we really need to be doing? I'm excited today too, because I have Kalila, aka Kelly, my sister on, which has a much nicer ring to her than Kate Lila. And she's going to help with some advice in the second hour. Uh, so hopefully we'll have a good time. You know, uh, real fast, you know, there, there's bigger things going on in this world that I do need to address that I need your help with. And I have been spending the past 20 minutes on that. I just got to get off my chest. And that is, can you please tell me, is it worth it to get this barefoot dreams blanket? Why is everybody, why does everybody seem to think that I need a, a $180 throw? Have you been to Home Goods? That shit's soft. I just like run my hand down the aisle. Like I'm a saying good game, good game, good game after a high school athletic sport, just slapping all that plush. I don't understand how it can be that meaningfully different. And I'm having trouble buying it. And everybody keeps saying, wait till it's at Nordstrom Rack. It's on sale. And I go to Nordstrom Rack every day and they're never there. But you know what I did buy today? A sequin puffer jacket because I need that. Like what? There was one left. I'm such a sucker for urgency. <laughs> I was like, if this sequin puffer does not go see, go see the team, the gang's all here over at the, you know, Linen's Isle, the Lincoln Park Home Goods. Uh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be beside myself. I am so interested to see what it looks like when it gets here. Because <laughs> I can't online shop. I'll find something I want. You guys know I don't go to the mall without buying something. But anyways, I just feel like I cannot escape people talking about this blanket. And I, I'll, I'll report back. I'm thinking about getting a receiving blanket and just covering one arm and seeing how that works for me. Because that is only $60, which... Um, anyway, you guys. Yeah, I'm excited to do a Kate Lila. Thank you for joining me. If you're new also, like... I have episodes that are a little bit more indicative of the typical format. Some of my recent favorites um, are It's the Berry Picking for Me, More Money, More Problems as a Mormon, uh, Mommy Blogger, Turtle Creek Lane episode, um, uh, Per My Last Emails, a you know, great feminist uh, empowerment one where I read stories of mansplainers in your workplaces. Uh, Childless Millennials maybe the most, most popular episode I've ever had, which is shocking because I cried for three days straight and stared into space for three days straight afterwards because it took it out of me. But you guys have been so cool about it. Anyways, just meander through the old catalog. But I'm glad you're here. Friendly reminder, I have a live show coming up November 12th. The theme is Certain Times, a celebration of all things precedented. We're just going to have a good time and do live show material that I usually would do literally in person live at comedy clubs uh before COVID happened and I had to cancel touring and all that and it's different than the podcast it's in the same spirit but the visuals kind of bring it to life and it's kind of this like really fun um like you know keynote in a whimsy power suit meets Ted like millennial TED talk meets like drunk lecture um meets amateur stand-up comedy uh <laughs> set it's I like I technically fault like at my agent's website, I'm in the comedy category, which kind of makes me laugh because I, I, my fantasy is that somebody books me by accident because I'm next to Kate McKinnon, which is hilarious. I am nobody. She is a goddess. Uh, and also the way more famous Kate Kennedy is actually a porn star. 
Um, and I also think that scenario is funny too, of somebody booking her and getting me and I am in a turtleneck ready to give a keynote. Like the dirtiest thing I can say is like, I'll transition your slide. And people are like, oh my God, I, we will pay you to leave. I, I love, I, I love a hypothetical, (laughs) but anyway, yeah, I'm excited. The live shows, um, $15. Uh, it's going to be really fun. I promise it'll be worth your time. It would mean a ton if you'd support and come check it out, especially because there's a lot of markets I'll never get to, uh, just by the nature of like everyone lives everywhere. Um, but I promise I'll put in the most effort and it'll be a good use of your time. At least I hope. Uh, so you can at be there in five, you can go to my Instagram. Um, it's in the link in bio. I'll also put it in the show notes. <laughs> oh yeah. I was thinking about, cause I'm trying to figure out what to wear for like some, um, headshot stuff and for the show. And every time I put on one of my suits or like, go like think about being on a stage. Like I don't, I, it's like, I, it's like, you know, intrusive thoughts and they're usually like gory or scary or weird. My intrusive thought, and I'm not kidding constantly. Every time I think about being on a stage, I think about Mandy Moore <laughs> as Lana in the Princess Diaries singing that insufferable version of stupid cute, stop picking on me. Because I think about that twice a week and I shudder. It's so upsetting to me. It's more upsetting than like, well, I, you know, I'm like easily triggered by a manic pixie dream girl and uh, Zoe Deschanel's character Summer in 500 Days of Summer. The karaoke scene where Summer sings annoys the crap out of me because I hate people that like do cool stuff and have cool old timey tastes. And like, don't act like if, if she sings Sugar Town by Nancy Sinatra, which is great, like obviously Things that are like classic and, you know, air quotes, stood the test of time are like cooler to sing than Willa Ford's I Want to Be Bad. But like, I don't know. I don't have a record player. I I, <laughs> I won't wear like a, a horizontal striped boat neck tucked into a, a pocketless clam digger with a Ked's shoe and a bow in my hair on a vintage pantoned colored bicycle with a front basket you know and like I, at one point I did want to be that person but like I think at a point I had to come into my own and just own the fact that if I went up to a karaoke mic and I was trying to impress a boy with my my taste my refinement my you know low-key look at me don't look at me vibes um and my like sneaky good singing voice it's safe to say that all all intrigue would be lost the second I got up there, saw Sugar Town, misunderstood, and just was like, "Dear mom and dad, please send money," because you know, like the basic bitch that I am, I would assume the person was wrong, make fun of them, assuming they were obviously talking about Sugar Land and not Sugar Town. But that's a cute mistake. I don't hate I'm I'm kidding. I don't hate the manic pixie dream girl. It's just like it's like I'm quirky inwardly, but not outwardly. And, you know, when I saw Garden State in 2005, I attempted an, a full personality rebrand. I fully tried to pivot. I was going to wear over the head headphones, um, really try to find the most boring guy I could and teach him 
how to live a little, how to be present, break him out of his uh, stoic personalityless demeanor that I'm actively disregarding because he's low key hot, to teach him how to you know dance in the rain, listen to the shins, live in the moment, break some rules. Well-behaved women rarely make history. Um, you know the manic pixie dream girl MP DG. There was an excellent PowerPoint presentation that brought this up by a lovely listener named Grace. Uh, it it was cre- it was like created by this one journalist. Was it was it an Atlantic writer? Um, and like it kind of took off. It got like canonized, like put in the dictionary. Um, it was really popular, like a popular term in the early aughts because so many movies had an MPDG. But then I think people realized it was like kind of misogynist because it was so two dimensional and essentially this like type of character that was getting in, written into every screenplay. Her sole purpose was to teach the male protagonist like how to live a little, <laughs> how to break out of his shell, how to do crazy things like put on a kooky hat at a thrift shop, maybe barrel on into a group of feeding pigeons only to walk off into the distance feeding each other ice cream to the tune of rusted root Uh, this was a magical time in cinema i'm not complaining but in real life i wasn't this person i've i've tried there have been i've been gone through so many rebrands and pivots where i've actively been like i'm gonna be a fun gal like i'm just gonna be i'm like wild like this is gonna be crazy but like I just hate it. I'm just not like there's all there, the token fun kids in like childhood and teenage years, like you know the the pranksters, the ding dong ditchers, the prank callers, the like let's flash a school bus. Like there's these just like fun breezy people, and I'm just like not one of them. And every two to three years, I would convince myself for like a week that I was going to make myself popular by being impossibly uh, lighthearted and uh, really just trying to be more marked by my poor decision-making. But in an age where carefree, reckless idealism is prioritized more than what I only could call my disposition, which I just for some reason can only think of the word sage, you know, (laughs) like it's such a descriptor of just like sage advice. Like, like you you exist, your quality. I'll, I'll, I'll refer to you when I need you and it's stable, but it it is everything but sexy. Especially at that age, you know, you want to date the chick that you feel like you need to sage your home when she leaves. She, her maniac energy is, is palpable and intoxicating, but also deeply troubling in the grand scheme of things. You don't want the person who's like level-headed, calm, and thoughtful. Not that I'm complimenting myself, but I was kind of the person that was always in the background going, I don't know, you guys, this isn't a good idea. When I say manic pixie dream girl, I actually do think there's kind of a misconception about this type of girl. And oftentimes I think Penny Lane from Almost Famous is miscategorized into this. Penny Lane is just like a dude's dream girl. She's a muse. She's like, she... Penny Lane to me is more of like a traditional fantasy character of like a hot girl, a guy, especially a young guy would want that has like awesome taste in music and hang with the boys. Well, like dabble in some quaaludes. She's like such a natural beauty that her hair and makeup and skincare routine is just like really low maintenance and lends itself to living on a bus. Fantasy musicians, muse girl rejects societal norms. 
a manic a manic pixie dream girl is unaware like social norms exist penny lane like is cool she knows she's cool the whole point of a manic pixie dream girl at least in my definition when i think of it as the more like garden state summer from 500 days of summer type of vibe is like everything she represents is actually quite uncool but you love her anyway. She intrigues you anyway. She tugs on your heartstrings. She makes you feel alive again. To me, a Penny Lane is more akin to a, a Mila Kunis in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. There, it's like a level of breeziness in Cool Girl that just screams like, I only have guy friends. I don't know. It's uh, like, I, I curse like a sailor, a shop at all saints. Uh, and now on to some questions. Hi, Kate. So I'm calling today to ask you a question. Uh, this is my new opening line on the dating apps. Um, but anyways, this question is for you and it is, what is one song that you never ever want to hear again in your entire life? Um, so for me, it would have to be Life is a Highway by Rascal Flatts. Uh, really anything by Rascal Flatts really makes me just want to, um, just curl up and die. So my friends all know that I'm easily triggered by the Rascal Flatts. And anyways, I just wanted to know your opinion. What is a song or a band that you could definitely live without? All right. Have an awesome day. Bye. I love this question. I think I'm going to be able to knock it out in a much shorter period of time than my usual answers. I truly, truly hate that song. It not only is the cover cartoonish it had to be desexualized to be in the cars movie and mcqueen made her in the gang didn't really have the johnny cochran like gimme gimme vibe um tr- i agree I, it's horrible i kelly and i kind of like deep dove into rascal flats at one point i have mixed thoughts depending on their catalog i'm like triggered even thinking about it uh it's safe to say life is a driveway when that song is playing okay i I don't have a, like, there's going to be a million reasons somebody could fight me on this because it has a decent story and invented a dance craze. Um, But I don't know, I don't know, like, I can't even put my finger on it. But this song puts me in a trance that I imagine, you know, if and when I do indeed head to hell in a handbasket, this song will be... The, the soundtrack on my almost like, if life is a highway to hell and I am in a handbasket and it does look like Mario Kart's Rainbow Road and it's kind of like Technicolor and clubby, I imagine this is what would be playing as I endure my descent. That song is Fat Boy Slim's Praise You. I hate... I didn't like it in Cruel, uh, cruel Intentions. I don't like the Flash Mob video. I get it, it was cheap. They filmed it in one take with Spike Jones under a pseudonym for like a few hundred dollars. It started the flash mob craze, which I never know how to feel about. I'm still furious that Marissa Fuchs Grossman promised me a flash mob outside the Louvre that I never got in France after the influencer proposal. And I mulled over a lot of songs. Los Lonely Boys, How Far Is Heaven, The Cherry Pop and Daddies, The Zoot Suit Riot. I even thought through how much I really genuinely don't like 
every collaboration Santana has done. And I know that's not popular, but I'm not here to do what is popular. I'm here to do what is right. I also, like, I love mostly any 90s, like, grunge rock, alt rock. I'm obsessed with the whatever genre you classify that that era where everything was just, like, right and tight. Like, like Sister Hazel, Delamitri, uh, Dishwalla, Vertical Horizon, like, Blues Traveler, Hootie and the Blowfish, like, Let Her Cry. Like, these, these songs, they bring me life. Like, the Google Dolls are one of my top five artists of all time. But I cannot, and I will not, Listen to a Matchbox 20 song. They all sound awful in my ears. If, I, if, if anybody dared to play in my presence. Smooth by Rob Thomas featuring Carlos Santana. Let's just say it would not go over smoothly. I would not praise you like I should. I... Could keep going, but I guess I was ins- I was supposed to only give you one answer. Fatboy Slim, Praise You, is my top, top, top. Uh, followed by Santana's Collabs, followed by Matchbox 20, followed by Hey Soul Sister, by Train, followed by Stuck Light Glue, Sugarland, to bring up Sugarland again. Honestly, probably followed up by All I Want to Do by Sugarland. I don't really like songs that are like... Sometimes Jennifer Nettles is a little twangy for me. Um, I love Stay, I love Baby Girl, but like, wow, wow, oh god, I'm crunching, dang. Between this, I've sang Sugarland twice. I've done like, I've been doing this for almost three years, and I don't think I've ever sung Sugarland. I'm so sorry for your ears. Um, but yeah, the wow, wow is not my favorite, nor neither is all I wanna do. Like, what? To loop back quickly to Hey Soul Sister, another song makes people happy. I hear it a lot at weddings. I'm like, what am I supposed, how am I supposed to dance to this? Do you want me to box step? Do you want me to step tap? Do you want me to do like a half Carlton? Because like, what is this tempo? And how can we, how can I make it crystal clear if a song has in the lyrics, cut a rug, it is not cool enough. For people to cut a rug to that song. Beyond that, the biggest issue I have with this song uh, are a couple of the following lines following cut a rug. Because I hate this sort of appropriative language, but also just like the ick factor of people trying to be like cool. Um, because, you know, the lyrics are the way you can cut a rug. Watching you is the only drug I need. So gangster, I'm so thug. Is there a less gangster or less thug song than Train's Hey Soul Sister? The only other person I know who rampantly uses the word uh, gangster in such a basic context otherwise is Rachel Hollis. That is why I'm proposing a collab between these two gangsters. Rachel Hollis from Girl, Wash Your Face. Pat somebody from Train. I'm proposing it be called Girl on the Train to provide an original thought.
Uh, lastly, I need to throw under the bus Sean Mullen's r- r- rockabye or lullaby. Rockabye. <laughs> Guys, I didn't sleep last night. I had to turn, I had a deadline and um, I'm so tired. <laughs> you know, at the end of Hey Soul Sister, it's like, hey, hey. I'd say that's a subpar hey to, yeah, and I said, hey, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Anyways, uh, in this case, I'm not saying hey, I'm saying hello, and I'm saying hello to HelloFresh, and that was a needlessly long segue. If you want to get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, look no further. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes uh, home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. I'm a big fan of their they, – they make like, they have these like pork Gouda burgers, and um, I also love – there's like a Korean taco situation that my husband was like wildly impressed by that I took full credit for. Sorry to HelloFresh. Huge, huge fan of also the balsamic fig sirloin. And that recipe actually specifically is over 60% cheaper than an average meal out. So you can enjoy a restaurant quality dinner for less. And the fact that I made a steak that was not only edible, which was the goal, but it was delicious. Like can't even tell you how good I felt about myself. Small wins really matter when you're not very good at cooking. And this is why I love HelloFresh. Another reason is because they, uh, since they offset their operations, travel and shipping emissions, they've their carbon footprint is actually 25% lower than store-bought grocery meals, according to the, to the University of Michigan, my husband's alma mater. We love a responsible company. If you want to give it a try, go to HelloFresh.com slash be there in 5, F-I-V-E, 8 zero. And use code be there in five F I V E eight zero to get a total of eighty dollars off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Does that make sense? So be there in five. How the show is spelled F I V E and then the number eighty because of eighty dollars off. So again, go to hellofreshcom be there in five eighty. Use code be there in five eighty F I V E eight zero to get a total of eighty dollars off across five boxes, including free shipping on your first box. Thanks to HelloFresh. Let's do another sponsor, and then we will wait till the second hour. We're changing things up a lot here because to kind of doing testing for next year. So thank you for your patience while we figure out what products you guys love. Um, one product that I am loving that I started amidst quarantine that has been quite fruitful for me. It's kind of funny because I haven't like been out and about and doing my hair that much and looking, but uh, okay, I need to tell you about the product first. <laughs> I got too excited. So yes, we are talking about Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you're among them, know you're not alone and that there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. I definitely was see- feeling like I was having a bit of a receding hairline and just like my shedding was out of control. Um, and Nutrafol has really helped me not only with length, but also with uh, strength and like thickness. And it's it's so hard to like have a m- concrete metric, but I'll need to show you um, my hair on Instagram. But actually, a lot of you guys have commented on and asked me if it's the Nutrafol because all of a sudden one day it was just so long. And, um, you know, along with me, uh, thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol, with many users raving that the supplement not only transformed their hair, but restored their confidence, too. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. My shedding was getting to a point where I thought Greg was going to trade me in for something hypoallergenic. And what I also love about this is that it's targeting like, you know, I love a root cause analysis and as opposed to treating symptoms, it treats the five main areas that can uh, be a source for 
uh, thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. And uh, it's physician formulated to be 100% drug free. They use medical grade botanicals in consistently effective dosages so you get the most reliable results. So if you go to Nutrafol.com, you can take their hair wellness quiz for personalized product recommendations that are unique to your hair's needs. And if you want to grow thicker, healthier hair and support Be There in Five by going to Nutrafol.com and using promo code Be There in Five, new customers will get 20% off. That is their best offer anywhere. And free shipping on every order. Again, that's 20% off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code be there in 5 just how the show is spelled. Again, 20% off. That's awesome. Thank you to Nutrafol for um, my thriving Maine and for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Kate. This is Erin from Portland, Oregon. I was calling in to ask you about uh, Kim Kardashian's uh, 40th birthday to the private island. I wanted to kind of give her take on what do you think about this with COVID? And I also specifically wanted to ask you about um, the group of friends that she brought with her and their outfit choices. Um, thanks so much. I'm thinking this is going to be a common question. Bye. I wanted some like pop culture questions. So I asked you guys on Instagram and I'm getting the best voicemails. But so this is actually great because now I can do a follow up Kate Lila sooner because I got so many of them. But this is definitely a current event. And you were breaking news to me because I actually didn't know about this because I've been doing stuff all day. Let me understand this quickly. So Kim chartered an 88-seat plane last week, flew 30 people to the Brando, Marlon Brando's resort in Tahiti for her 40th birthday. Why wasn't Kylie there? But Rob was there. Rob looks great. Happy for him. I really haven't seen, seen him in a while. Um, oh, it says... Kylie was just tied up with other commitments, and that's why she wasn't at Kim's birthday trip. And Insider tells Us Weekly exclusively. They're obviously still incredibly close. Is that obvious? I'm not going to praise her for being some COVID-avoiding queen. And I feel like Twitter is probably like, yes, Kylie rejecting this you know, problematic family trip. But no, she was. Kylie's been traveling more than anybody. Kylie was one of the first people to jet to the Caribbean. Uh, so I'm not going to give her that much credit. I've, I've seen her making TikToks with Stassi, baby. Um, yeah, Kylie was on a vacation for uh, when she did her latest TikTok sound that's like Rise and Shine version 2.0. The one that's like, because I'm going to get wasted. I'll just drink a full cup of 42. Oh, you need that one. <laughs> it's very, um, the the rhythm isn't there. It's hard to compare to the elegance of Rise and Shine. But anyway, not the point. I, I'm i going to assume Kylie had COVID. Because Travis Scott still went, and they're not even together. Courtney and Scott were, like, posing together a lot. It was kind of cute. And I was, like, not going to lie, a little relieved that Courtney finally, like, was comfortable enough shedding of her Addison Rayco dependency. <laughs> they, I mean, guys, here's the thing. This is what... Like, no, you should not be doing non-essential travel. No, this trip wasn't appropriate. But at the same time, like, I just don't know how much I care because I just think that everybody's doing this and not everyone's posting about it. And I think if you have the money and the power and the access and the insulation that you can buy to do this safely, then you're going to do it. And if you're not posting about it, you're just like virtue signaling that you aren't. And I think like... A lot of people are out and about right now, and it's interesting seeing who's, like, selectively getting called out because it's like, okay, one person's, I don't know, like, maskless in their hometown. They're getting dragged. But, like, Julia uh, Barrelsheimer is now Colonial Williamsburg's latest spokeswoman with her darling Clementine. 
So it's like some, it's not like not all travel created equal. Is it just a mask thing? Is it the travel thing? Is it the travel and mask thing? Like, I don't know what we're going after people for. I like, I, I don't have the energy to like be calling out and canceling people with like the pending election and stuff. Like, it's just not where my head's at. And I just feel like it's really hard to um, selectively try to like cancel or call out people when like this behavior is pretty rampant. And do we want people to set a good example? Yeah. Is this frustrating? Absolutely. Is it even made worse by the just general tone deafness of uh, the way she worded it, saying it was uh, she was just wanting something that uh, oh, let me read you the caption. After two weeks of multiple health screens and asking everyone to quarantine, I surprised my closest inner circle with the trip to a private island where we could pretend things were normal just for a brief moment in time. It's just like that's kind of annoying because like, you know, Kim, there's people that are dying and you're to say pretend things were normal for a brief moment in time. It's just hilarious. Like in Tahiti, <laughs> you're pretending things are normal is everybody else's like best case life dream, make a wish foundation scenario and like just pipe it down on maybe the use of the word normal. Uh, the Skims founder continued. We danced, rode bikes, swam new ra- near whales, kayaked, watched a movie on the beach and so much more. I realize that for most people, this is something so far out of reach right now. So in moments like these, I am humbly reminded of how privileged my life is. Hashtag this is 40. Um, I am humbly reminded uh, that this isn't out of reach for me um, right now, per se, because of uh, the pandemic. This is out of reach for me um, because this trip cost one million (laughs) dollars. I don't know, you guys. Like, yeah, this is a horrible example to set. I'm kind of surprised. I guess I, I just, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an example of people that just like are not willing to forego their specific milestone or event. Like everyone else's shiz all around the world can be on halt, but theirs comes around, and they're going to make it work if it's the last thing they do. Maybe the safety precautions were there. Maybe it helped people get jobs on the island. I don't know. I would imagine it's incredibly dangerous to have that many people flying over from another country when you're a small island that subsists off itself with limited health care options. Like, you know, just that's what scares me a bit. But my comment always and forever will be, it's one thing, like my opinion on what you choose to do with your time and your family, your health, like when it comes to the implications on potentially spreading COVID in public health, is it deeply frustrating? Yeah. Is it frustrating for the example and influence? Yeah. But beyond that, what I always said with Ariel and uh, like Taza, if you're going to just like, I'd love it if you've made the right decision. If you're not going to make the right decision, just don't freaking post about it. I don't get why you have to post about it because it's one thing to like want to get ahead of the press, I guess. But like, who really cares? Like, they've they they've got they've they've had worse. I mean, they could just let it blow over. I mean, we do have a couple other things going on this week in this country. I also don't really know what like the coordinated effort with her Letterman interview and Kanye's Rogan interview. You know, like there's something co- is it did Keeping Up with Kardashians just premiere or something? I'm so out of the loop, and I hardly even like watch much TV anymore. Um, but. Anyway, guys, yeah, Kanye was doing Rogan, so he allegedly was there for part, but he's not in any of the photos. As far as the outfits, I actually liked Kim's birthday outfit. I thought she looked great. I thought it was a really cool look that reminded me of one of my favorite looks of hers of all time, the um, uh, Catholic-themed Met Gala, which you know I love for obvious reasons. I was just went to town on Instagram um, making 
like religious jokes, you know. I thought she really looked pretty at her birthday. Kendall seemed to be having fun. Courtney looked fresh as a daisy. Her and Scott were cute as ever. I saw, yeah, like, who was in the background? I mean, I saw the regular gang, like, well, like Tristan and Chloe, obviously, the siblings and their men, uh, men, and Corey Gamble, and then, like, Lala, Anthony. uh, I I saw Steph Shep in the background. I, I don't know that I saw anybody I was, like, shocked or surprised by. I feel like everyone I either know from, you know, watching over a decade's worth of Keeping Up with the Kardashians or from the iconic musical number by one Kris Jenner, I Love My Friends, uh, or the remake of I Love My Friends uh, that was made in, what, 2017 for her 60th? Uh, You know, for all of you people that, speaking of, seem to be shocked that Kim is... So out of out of out of touch, so tone deaf. I I urge you to listen to her song called "Jam." You're playing my jam. It's uh it's tough stuff. It is tone deaf. As is her contribution. I mean, it's just like LOL. People say the Kardashians have no talent, but then they try to go into like a recording studio. We are the world style and record. She loves her friends, and I have never heard something so so monotone, so artless. <laughs> Okay, is this not the fifth time I've sang on this episode? Riding down the highway with her friends at her side. Her life without them wouldn't be complete. They are her joy and pride. <laughs> Every, the way they say joy and pride kills me. You want me to keep going? <laughs> We're gonna party so we just can't party no more. It doesn't rhyme. Uh, th- listen to this. Listen to this, this syllabic imbalance here. Okay. And also, like, I, I, I just, you know, want you to know that um, I'm trying to sound bad. <laughs> Don't you remember being, like, a kid and people would, like, sing or you'd be doing something, like, that required singing and somebody would make fun of somebody's singing boy, voice and they'd be like, oh, I wasn't trying. <laughs> uh, she's big on cocktails, Nobu Malibu, Hermes Birkins, Chanel. Givenchy, momager meetings, Christmas Eve parties, <laughs> lots of vodka, baby showers, clo money parties, Valentino, keeping up on Sundays. Like, guys, you don't scram that many syllables. Looks like another fun-filled day. She loves her friends. I'm not proud of how many times I've watched that, but I have to say, I remembered the cadence, and I'm like a little proud of myself because it's unmemorable because again the melodic flow is worse than i just drank a full cup of 42 or whatever i just got so sidetracked bottom line it's so frustrating it's not cool it's a bad example i think there's just like too much going on in this world to be like meaningfully mad about it because anything anyone says or does there's going to be an excuse for having covered their tracks you just wish people would like i don't know not just absolutely just their, you know, disregard their responsibility in a sense, not only being an influencer, but also being a person of like immense wealth and privilege that like, it's just, it's kind of wild too. I mean, literally amongst, like among the 30, whatever of you, there could not be more compounds and stunning properties and places that you could have convened nearby and not put a country or a plane staff or whatever at risk and like I just don't freaking know you guys it's just too much I just am 
I just feel like at this point, I just wish people would cooperate, but I don't have the energy, for lack of a better word, to witch hunt. If that, And I don't like that term because that makes it sound like unjust on the hunter's part, but like, I just don't know what to do. And I'm very tired of being disappointed by people. I mean, I le- I've left Chicago, like, when they lifted restrictions and stuff, but now we're cracking down, and I'm, like, m- miserable. Like, everything ever, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like we're about to head into a deep, dark, depressive winter in Chicago, and I'm, you know, we're going to be stuck again, and it's going to be awful, and I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm dreading it. And, like, it's just kind of everyone's at different places in the spectrum of how this affects them, myself being one of the very least all things considered um but it's just like you know people have it so good and still want for more and still disregard the broader danger and um will jump through hoops to make it look like they weren't doing a terrible thing when you can't you just simply can't shake the fact that the terrible thing being done is um like a flagrant disregard for the state guidelines and a large group in a very public setting and a public basically statement that you are above the rules, if anything, because you have money. <laughs> but like, are we surprised, you know? This actually brings me to my next question. I don't, it, it'll, we'll, maybe we'll get more upbeat when Kelly comes uh, because I have a similar feeling toward this person. Um, but let me just play the voicemail and I'll try to, I'll try to keep it concise. Update. Did not keep it concise. It was about Danielle Bernstein. I talk about her for half the time, but then I also go into a whole other side conversation about the importance of um, supporting female entrepreneurs and, like, my actual experience, like, largely not being supported, what I want to do about it going forward, and just some food for thought that I actually don't always – there's not always a great place to squeeze them into episodes, but these are things I care about, and since it's a Kate Lila, I figured I'd squeeze it in, but I put it at the end just because it is a longer, windier answer that's more agendaed, like an outro, so um, stay tuned. But now we have one Kelly Kennedy, my sister, an incredible person that – is willing to spend her quality time hanging out with me as a family member on the mic because I so desperately want people to talk to some days. <laughs> and I love her for it. So enjoy. Hey, Kate. This is Hannah from Dallas. I just really, I noticed this thing in life a couple of weeks ago, and I just knew I had to wait for a Kate Lila episode because I needed you to break this down. So thankfully, I work in a very small office well, our, we don't have that many people in our office. There's only 10 of us on staff, and we have a very, very large office. Everybody has their own, you know, doors. It can be very safe. So we're back in the office. Works works out well for us. Our numbers in Texas have come down a lot. So anyway, one of my bosses, I noticed, you know, it was fall, and I was wearing a sweater that day, and I, I noticed that he was wearing a vest. And I just started thinking, are men wearing vests, you know, like, the the North Face or Patagonia, like the the small puffer, not like a thick puffer, like a small puffer. You know, this is Texas. It's so hot here. Are those equivalent to the girl's scarf, like a, a, a la like the infinity or blanket scarf? I don't know. I just, I think that we need to draw the parallel because I don't think that we're talking enough about men wearing vests. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm not saying it's right. And, you know, I don't know a lot about men's fashion, but just something about it is just reaping 
sticking point in my life, and I just we need to talk about it. So please bring this to all of our attention and inform me on something that I don't know. Thank you for doing the Lord's work. Love your show. Bye. Wow. I didn't see that one coming. Because vests are a frat boy staple, Kel. They really are. So do you see a lot of vests? Well, now that you have me thinking about it, um, I mean, just today in Chicago, I I feel like I actually did see a, a handful of vests, but it was also snowing this morning. But that which begs the question, Kel, why are we wearing outerwear without sleeves? What is a vest really doing for us? <laughs> I used to wear a vest all the time. Kelly, uh, <laughs> through many years of her life, uh, really doubled down on an old Navy performance, please. <laughs> you know what? I like what I like. And are you? if you're hinting at the Christmas card photo, I'm aware. I could have not worn that. I also could have taken off the bright purple... Uh, what brand of watch would that have been? Back Timex, then? Kelly. I believe that's Timex. <laughs> could th- those could have gone to the wayside? I agree. And now indiglo. it lives in infamy in our what twenty four by forty eight photo, and that's okay. But I think um, for men, I, I I'm a fan. But here's the maybe not a problem, but I like I like Argyle still. Like oh. I love like I love a a man in an argyle vest specifically oh yes (laughs) Mm, i like my men to look like arthur (laughs) so okay but you're in your mind you went straight to sweater vest i did go to sweater vest i went straight to old navy performance fleece and or puffer vest yes and i guess what i was referring to when i said earlier that i saw a few people wearing a vest i was referring to the sweater vest not oh the puffer vest. Okay, see, I I don't think I've seen a sweater vest in years. Well, maybe I'm on high alert. So a like V-neck sweater vest with like an Oxford shirt underneath it doesn't have to be Oxford, but just yeah. What else would it? What else would you wear <laughs> under a sweater vest? Well, now I'm a Henley a crew neck tee. <laughs> I think like a crew neck. Like a <laughs> Literally, rewind, you rewind, were describing Doug over. Funny. <laughs> Doug <laughs> Funny wears a white crew neck tee. Can, and can a start over? No, this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, girl, these these this question is a uh, it's a head scratcher. It's intellectually stimulating. I think uh, I'm showing. I'm going to show Kelly a photo, like, sorry for this, Kel. Like frat boy. I, th- oh. I think that's what she's talking about. Did she say sweater sense. vest? No, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We had a bit of a... But, uh, com- <laughs> Kelly was thinking more Mr. Rogers. I was thinking more like Shep Rose Southern Charm. Like, But see, I do, vines. but I love a frat boy look. And I I do love that look that you have on screen there. I don't know. And like now that I'm thinking about this, this is a goofy piece of clothing that it makes sense if you don't want to be too hot because it has pockets. And I did... I feel like uh, puffer vests are like cute in that like J. Crew like pumpkin patch way of like you want to be it's like it's layering season it's like there's three weeks a year you can wear a vest without a coat over it Mm -hmm. I think that's what's troubling for me but now that you bring up Texas it kind of makes sense that that wouldn't be the case it's yeah because you probably don't need an actual coat and that just provides a little extra warmth yeah well I I feel like I've heard people say that like have you ever seen a movie called Star Wars like Star Wars, the yes. movie. 
<laughs> I, I may have heard of it before. I'm not familiar. With, I'm like super into Star Wars, so I didn't want to pretend like I was. But are, do you know who Han Solo is? I've, I've heard of him a time or two. Apparently he wears a vest and like brown knee-high boots. Yeah. And I remember once being uh, at some sort of fall-themed event and somebody saying to me, it's Han Solo season. Like, and when women oh. all dress like Han Solo. And I was like, yeah, totally. And I was like, what? I think in my head I was thinking of Darth Vader, which is what I was dressed like. All black. Kate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. But I, other than that, it's like I don't really put a ton of thought into um, vests. Other than that, I don't think they make a ton of sense for seasonal warmth. I understand. I guess I disagree because I do like the frat boy vest look. So you're not triggered by a dude wearing Sperry's with no socks? Like a kind of ill-fitting khaki. I'm a little troubled because I am watching this season's Bachelorette, which was okay. on earlier. Yeah. We haven't watched. Um, and I'm a little troubled by the, like, man capris. I just am not a fan. Oh, like a more like a high water. Like a high water. And, yeah, they're not typically wearing socks. I don't love that look, but... I also just profess my love for Argyle sweater vest, so I don't really know if I'm one to give give any advice here. I got a follow up on that, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) um, Moving on, the we it just kind of reiterates that we have very different taste in um, uh, dudes because I actually like I like a a more fitted slim like trouser that's a little above the ankle, but it's not a very it's more like. Um, what's the word? Are we still as a society saying metrosexual? It's like I actually don't know. Is that offensive? I don't know. It's a good. I haven't thought about that. That's a good question. Yeah. So it, it kind of uh, it can kind of go either way with like super preppy or Doug Funny, um, the cartoon or. Uh, but with The Bachelor, I haven't been watching, and I want to support women that are in their late thirties looking for love. But uh, I agree. <laughs> I want to support her because I appreciate the fact that she's 39 and on the show, but they also cast all males in their late 20s. Right. In the real world. Right. How how often does that happen? Not that it couldn't happen, but just how often? I don't think very often. And right. I, her, I, I guess she didn't watch last week, but she mm-hmm. did this whole thing where she walked out on the group because... As she walked in the room and immediately expected someone to whisk her away to talk to her, and no one did. It took like probably the equivalent of ten seconds for somebody to like take her away, and she had to leave that one-on-one and go back and yell at the group of guys for not giving her the attention that she deserves. It was oh, Kel. insufferable. It was Kelly so bad. That's embarrassing. That's why you need to watch this because it's it. it it's good content. I'm ready for the Tasha switch, but I, I, I watch. And I think it's going to be soon. Is it? Monica was just texting me about like watching tonight and something must have just happened. So mm. I know. Well, um, I do have some tea on Dale. Um, oh. I was told that oh. he's like a uh, Forrest Gump and that he shows up everywhere and he is in not in fact looking for love. Like, he kind of is just like always popping into things. Did you see what his profession is? No. I, I don't know if this is a joke because actually maybe I saw it on NFL memes, but I swear I saw somewhere that he, he's a model for Party City. Oh, no, he is. He is. <laughs> yes, I did see him dre- dress as a court jester yes, recently. Yes, <laughs> and I find that troubling, but also, I mean, I like a good costume. 
okay, Party City costumes. Um, I was looking the other day because, like, I used to love looking through that catalog. We weren't a family. We were a DIY costume family oh, for yeah. sure. Playing but, card all day, every day. Yeah, exactly. Um, but because all the costumes were the usual suspects. It was like women can be, like, French maids, wear a poodle skirt, yeah. a playing card, a witch. A witch. Like, it's a yeah. standard. And then I looked the other day. Same costumes, except like there's maybe one sexy mail-in ballot. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. But oh. I just looked up Dale and this, yeah, Dale, I'm looking at him dressed as a gladiator, a taco, um, Superman. He is dressed as, I think, a skeleton here. I mean, and the, the problem is these aren't photos that are 15 years old. <laughs> like, I think no, this was his gig like, last summer. Exactly. Exactly. But Kelly, would I turn that job down? I wouldn't. I'd be honored. I'm just saying it's funny. <laughs> You're like, oh, be- I'm saying that's my ideal husband's no, job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really just trying to build off my limited to modeling career. To answer your best question, you oh, know, yeah. no, this is what I like to do. I like to me- meander. Um, you know, everything is, um, what do they say? Not everything is bigger in Texas. Yeah. Is that what they, that say? Is what they say? Or is it? Everything's bigger in Texas. Higher, I thought I was guess maybe I was thinking higher the hair closer to God. That too. Why is everything bigger in Texas? Because Texas is big. I think just yeah, and like Texas is big. All the big personalities, the hair, the costumes. All the big like, personalities. You know, like, <laughs> like who? Like just everyone. Chuck Norris. <laughs> I don't know. I love stereotypes so much. I mean, they're all very favorable. No, I love, are you kidding? I love the state of Texas. I would move to the state of Texas if it wasn't so hot. I know. That actually is why people probably, why you probably spent the majority of your youth in an Old Navy performance lease because you didn't want to have sweat stains and you didn't want to have your arms be cold. For sure. My gosh, thank you for calling. Um, Wishing you the best of luck. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, what's next? Hi, Kate Lila. Just wanted to start off saying I love your podcast. It's such a joy. Um, So thank you. I have a question about dating and getting married. Um, So I am 26 years old. My boyfriend is 28. Uh, We've been together for about five and a half years, and we've lived together for almost a year now. And we're at that stage where everyone in our family is bugging us on when we're going to get engaged. And when we are going to get married, and of course, we do want to get engaged and get married, but we are trying to finish paying off our student loans this year uh, before we get engaged because we have to pay for the wedding ourselves. Uh, Our family knows this, but they still are getting to that point where they're giving us a really hard time. Um, Even my own family is starting to talk to me like I am being strung along because I don't have a ring yet even though he and I both are very open about wanting to get married. Um, we just don't have the money to do it at this moment. But I was just wondering if you had any advice on how to deal with family who, you know, is giving you a really hard time about it, saying, you know, are you sure he even plans on marrying you and other mildly offensive things. Um, yeah, any advice is welcome and appreciated. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and you're uh, uh, trusting me with this question. Yeah, people, I mean, for sure tortured me. 
um, about. Yeah, see, you got, I didn't get that, but yeah. I know you got that. Yeah. I, I got the kid thing. Right. I didn't get the marriage thing. Yeah, it, well, it's kind of a thing where to, the she's, I think, said something along the lines of, like, they're offensive questions. And I think what people don't realize is, like, you're acting like I'm a, an, a bystander in this relationship just waiting to be proposed to. You're acting like I don't have an act. I'm not an active, like, 50% stakeholder in the my <laughs> life and my future and what we do. Yeah. Not to say it's not romantic, but, you know, to be surprised. But I think that, like... It's just so deeply offensive to a assume every woman all like the go- only goal is to like get married and b that they have no say in when and if it happens. And if you really want a say and you have no say, or if you want to be married and you're not, it's one thing. But it, it, to look your family members in the eye and say we're good, this is what we want to do. We have some goals we want to accomplish we'll do this later. And for people to still not be happy, I think it's when you have to realize it has nothing to do with you mm-hmm. because you're actively communicating. I'm doing what's best for me. And they're still saying no. And there's just such a, a problem of projection of like societal yes. standards that is really hard to get past. And honestly, you probably can't correct. And you just and always it's not necessarily worth the yes. time and energy that you could potentially spend with your wheels spinning. Yes. But I know that doesn't help. Like <laughs> I know. There's like nothing to ma- like not alleviate it. I will say, that to play devil's advocate, because I agree with everything that you said, and maybe this is more so for kids, not so much when you're getting engaged. Um, but sometimes I think, sometimes people just ask questions as a point of conversation, and they don't mean anything offensive by it. Like, it's really just, oh, like, when do you guys think you're getting engaged? When do you think you'll have kids? And it, it truly isn't meant to pry or tell you what to do it's just a talking point now not with close family right but like with maybe family that you haven't seen in a while or friends that you aren't super close with anymore that i've can come up and i think it's good to keep that in mind too that it's not always it's easy to get defensive or feel offended but sometimes it's just people making conversation right and and that's it's nothing more than that i'll catch myself asking people things i'm like oh i probably shouldn't have asked that you know, but it was just it was just a topic of conversation. It was a conversation starter. Totally. And I actually I, I would say like 90 percent of the time it's well intentioned. Yeah. Like I completely, completely agree with that. And I think that what matters is. Um, it is a answering the question confidently and yes. not like blubbering yes. and making weird excuses and be the person on the receiving end and receiving end people out there not projecting your own experience or unsolicited advice or whatever, just like accept it and move on. I think it kind of goes both ways. If you are pointing something out to somebody and asking them questions and passing as a, you know, fodder for small talk, (laughs) it's like almost this funny thing that people don't mean to be offensive, but it's like, you really think I haven't (laughs) thought of that? You really think I don't know I'm single? You really think I don't know? It's like when we ask people questions, I just challenge us all to be like, are we asking them something they've 100% already thought of and maybe aren't bringing up on purpose? You know what I mean? The bottom line, I think, with family is that they have your best interest in mind um, comparing your situation against the standard that they know to be the right thing to do from a different era, from a different generation. The things that were their metrics of success or progress or what is right and good in a relationship are fundamentally different from yours and 
I think that it's important to remember that first and foremost because people are generally not trying to just intrude on your life, but they really think that they know the right mode of operation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my sister and I have both learned, and who we're close with our, our parents, mind you, and they listen to this podcast, um, but we've both had to do things that were very much not within the realm of comfort of our family and our friends, um, and I think that, it, but we've also both done things to pander to what people thought. And I think that we probably both would agree that um, at the end of the day, you can appease people all you want in these passing conversations, but you're the one that has to live your own life and with your own decisions, mm-hmm. right? And I think that like um, the the pressure is hard because like when Kelly and I both kind of smirked when you said you were 26 because like you're so young, like you're, you know, like not smirked, but like I get that this is important, but like you, it's it, people need to not do this to people that are so young and have their whole lives ahead of them, right? No, and that's your point. Not to be dismissive in any way. No. Just like it's it's so interesting that right at that age, that's the response that you're already getting. That I mean, I I'm, I'm sure that's hard to handle. To your point of what you were saying is, yeah, we both, you know, done or acted a certain way in an effort to appease what we thought others wanted. But ultimately, you have to do what's best for you. And it may not be the popular opinion of your family, but it's it's you know what's best for you and your boyfriend knows what's, you know, y'all have to decide that. Yeah. (laughs) And I think the thing that you have to remember, too, is like, at every phase of your life, people are bothering you or pressuring you about another milestone, but then they forget about it once that life phase passes. Yeah. And I think it's hard to remember that how temporary this feedback phase is because once you're engaged, everyone will change their tune. They'll be asking you your colors. If you've wedding dress shop, they'll want an invite. Like people put so much. I think the biggest thing about making decisions based on other people's feedback is not realizing that their feedback is so contingent upon this very hyper-specific phase of your life and you'll forget about it. And if you make a life-altering decision based on this small yes. window of feedback, yes. it's it's a true disaster because people don't actually care that much because they have their own lives to worry about. Yeah. Well, and I love that you said, you know, you, you both have talked about it. You're working to pay off for student loans. You know this is where you want to go. So that's great. <laughs> you know, I mean stick with the plan. I think it would be different if you felt one way and he felt another way, but it sounds like you both are in line. And so that's awesome. That alone is a big deal. So I think just sticking with that, um, you can't go wrong. I think that's the other funny thing too, is like, you're technically doing the responsible thing. (laughs) You want to like pay off loans and like move on with your life. Not go into debt right before. Yeah. And like, I think that I don't know. I mean, I've, t- I've told you guys before, it was not a particularly popular decision when I cohabitated before marriage with my family, but like they came around, we talked about it. I, what was right for me ultimately mattered more than what was like, you know, right by some arbitrary standard. And I think that like it was kind of rocky in real time. And I definitely experienced a lot of the like drunk girls in bathrooms being like, why hasn't he put a ring on it? <laughs> um, so fun. But like, it doesn't matter. Cause like, like after you're married nobody's like it took them a long time to get married you're just married and it just like changes and it just doesn't matter it's like it didn't even happen it's like it didn't even happen and and I don't know so long story short like 
I can't make the pressure less frustrating. Um, it's going, it, it unfortunately happens everywhere all the time. And that's if, why, if anything, I preach to like, don't throw milestones who live in glass houses. Like, <laughs> I think people project their like sometimes insecurities about those milestones onto people. Or like, if you got married young, you think everybody should get married young. Mm-hmm. If you already have several kids, you and everyone around you to start having kids. It's like, people need to do their own thing at their own pace. And I will always staunchly defend uh, people's right to do what's best for them in that time. In many situations, it's not the right thing to stay, but in this specific one, you both know exactly what you want. And I just want people who know exactly what they want to realize that's half the battle. (laughs) And like, you've got it made if you guys know what you're working toward. But what's awesome is that you guys are on the same page, you're confident in your future, and you need to just like put on blinders and work toward that future, knowing that you'll be the ones that are better off. Anyways. Thanks for calling in. Kelly and I have both been on the uh, beginning and beginning phases of disappointing people and on the other side having. And boy, does it feel good to come through on the other side. (laughs) It does. Life isn't one ongoing narrative. It's a series of chapters. And it is funny may not be the right word. But, you know, over the last how long has it been? Seven months, Mm -hmm. eight months. Mm hmm. One has a lot of time to reflect, you know, Mm -hmm. when there's nothing going on. And sometimes I'll catch myself thinking back to certain times that I've almost forgotten about and then be like, wow, that was such a big deal then. And it is such a blip on the radar to the point where you don't even remember it happening. Yes. And so much energy and thought and time and stress went into certain life decisions that, again, at the time, not saying they weren't important, but it's just in the grand scheme of life are so not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I do try now to keep that in mind as a highly stressed out person. Mm-hmm. I try and keep that in mind that this is so not going to be a big deal in six months, a year, whatever it is. Right. And and, and I think until you are go through a little bit more adult life and realize these like monumental things pass so quickly, you almost don't have that perspective. And it's important to yeah. to keep in mind. Regardless, proud of you. Wish we could help. Unfortunately, you're just going to have to uh, be confident as hell. The best revenge is living well. I think that the one thing I've learned with my parents is that uh, more important than the things they want me to do is that they trust me. And I feel like I've proven to them in the times when I've gone a little off course that I did know what I was doing. And you almost kind of over time as you're an adult and your parents become consultants, and they're not managing you anymore. You almost kind of like it's, it's a dumb metaphor, but you almost kind of prove with your performance like I have good judgment. I know you're used to being my parent, but I do think it takes some like learning to separate a bit and to let to, to, for them to relinquish control. And it sounds like you've made great decisions and will continue to. So as much as you can just, um, you know. I was going to say keep your head down and move forward, but keep your head high. Yeah. My God, don't keep your head down. (laughs) Um, Thank you for calling, by the way. First up this week, you know, just like the ritual that is uh, people asking you endlessly nosy questions at milestone events about your personal life, uh, I have a much better ritual for you. It is a company called Ritual Vitamins. Not going to lie, they've educated me a lot on, like, how I really didn't know what's in most multivitamins. There's a lot of sugars, GMOs, synthetic fillers, artificial colorants, and like animal byproducts like sheep's wool and gelatin from hooves and hides. And 
I don't know. I just didn't really realize that was like in the thing I was taking to be healthier. And Ritual is awesome. It's made by a skeptic for skeptics. I've told the story before how uh, the CEO was basically told by investors she had to choose between starting a family and starting a company because she was pregnant when she wanted to start Ritual and noticed that the prenatal product she was you know, looking to take had all of these synthetic fillers. And of course, she turned the situation right on around and used it to empower herself and other women to take care of themselves, their health, because we deal with a lot of things as women. And we don't need to be dealing with this, this synthetic, artificial, misleading nonsense. If only there was a multivitamin to help us with naysaying males at conference tables. Anyway, you guys, Ritual is an awesome vitamin. It's not only like a beautiful product and beautiful packaging, they really believe in transparency, transparency in terms of their supply chain and their ingredient list, but also it's a literally a transparent product that you can see what's inside of it and in a clear jar. And the best part is when you swallow it, it's like this minty, fresh aftertaste. I take uh, the essential for women daily, but they also have a lot of different uh, life stages that they've kept in mind. So you can get ritual for women, for men, for teens. Um, They have uh, their best-selling prenatal vitamin. They also have postnatal now, which is really, really cool. It's delivered to your door every month with free shipping. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription anytime. And if you don't love it within the first month, they will refund your order. So you deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. And that's why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during the first three months. Visit ritual.com slash be there in five to start your ritual today. Again, that's ritual.com slash be there in five. For 10% off your first three months to start your ritual today. Hey, Kate. Um, so first of all, I wanted to say thank you, like, A, for being a cool person. And B, I can't even remember what episode this was, but maybe a couple of months back, you were just talking about, like, you know, the good stuff, bridal showers, bridesmaiding thing. And um, I'm supposed to be getting married in April 2021. I'm probably not. And um, you just said something that, like, was really helpful for me because – Oh, I feel like a lot of my friends who are not getting married or friends who have already gotten married or like my family members are just kind of like, well, yeah, this sucks. But it's like I am sad because I want all my stupid little bride things and like my dumb bachelorette party and like, I don't know, you know, T-shirts. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's just been a bummer. And like you said something about like taking the time to like mourn and grieve it. And like that just like helps validate it for me. I thought that was really nice of you because I haven't really heard that from anybody else. So what I wanted to talk to you about is this like ongoing issue in my life where, okay, so I'm engaged. My fiance and I are both 28. In March, my fiance's younger brother proposed to his girlfriend who is 20 years old and they are getting married tomorrow and um, just having a pretty much full normal wedding with 200 invites and I think a hundred people are going and like people, it's like, Oh, like wear a mask. Like if you want, if you feel comfortable, but like, you know, it's just, and it's like, Oh, well it's safe because it's outside. And I'm like, is it? And I just feel really like hurt that I haven't really heard from my in-laws about like, Oh, like this must be like hard for you that you're probably postponing your wedding because you don't want anyone to get COVID. And um, I'm actually not, currently at the wedding I'm decided not to go because of the safety issues and like I have my own issue like I just have my own issues so this wedding despite my like personal feelings about it was already going to be too much my fiance is there right now he's the best man and it's just like I just feel like we've been put into this really terrible situation um my in-laws basically think that I'm a huge brat 
and I like am using COVID as an excuse to like be petty. And I've talked to my therapist about this and she's basically like, you're not and like don't expect the relationship to change. But it's just really hard. I don't know like how to like work on this relationship because, you know, my fiance and I live in a big city and my in-laws live in a really rural area in the Midwest and like they're so young and like they're just kind of they just kind of do that sort of immature like young person thing where you just kind of ignore everyone else around you. It's like my brother-in-law is nice and like a sweetie, but I don't really think he actually like cares about my, like he never hangs out with us when we visit and like his fiance is, who's 20 has never said two words to me and I don't need this on top of everything else, you know? Anyway, you give really good advice. So if you have anything for me, thank you. If you just listen to this at all, thank you. I think you're great. Love you. Bye. I think that, okay, well, first of all, Kelly and I both agree, like, when you look forward to these, like, big milestones and rites of passage and they're so exciting and there's so much buildup and work and stress and then it doesn't happen not only by something so beyond your control, but also something so that we didn't know how bad it was going to be. So you probably spent half the time thinking like it might or might not happen, which is maybe worse. Which is probably worse. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, don't let anybody tell you you don't have the right to be disappointed or you should be over it. Because I think that like what I didn't understand about like bridal stuff until I was in it is that it's like not just planning a party. There is so many family dynamics and there's so like, it's so much money and time and like, yeah, it's a, it's a stressful thing. That's why weddings are a big deal. And I think this, like, it, it, it's crazy how much stress and, and thought goes into planning a wedding and how much people expect you to be able to undo that stress and thought when it doesn't go right. It, it, like, yeah. It would be and proportionate. This is, it's not like something random happened and, you know, a small part of the wedding is now skewed. Like, right. It, it, it's a pandemic and you're doing the right thing by not requiring people to have to make that decision because part of, I, I would guess that some of the people that are going to, I think you said your brother-in-law or so, mm-hmm. that to their wedding feel obligated mm-hmm. and their people are probably going to catch COVID. Like, right. I mean, it's inevitable, you know? So it's, so you're doing the right thing by postponing. And I'm, I have no doubt that's hard. And I said on the last one, because it's true it's so easy to think back to things that you gave so much time and energy to and think gosh that like it just shouldn't have been that big of a deal this is so different yes <laughs> because it's a wedding during a pandemic and you have every right to feel upset you have every right to feel mad and i can't imagine i mean i've been getting upset that like our family vacation was canceled this year like and know, you know what same. we're just gonna we'll go next year or whenever it's like we'll, we'll figure it out I can't imagine having to make the decision to postpone the wedding and then have to live through the brother-in-law, sister-in-law getting actually going through with the wedding, you making the tough decision not to attend. Right. And probably getting flack for that. And then now having to navigate, well, when's your wedding going to be or why? What are you guys doing? And and I just, I have so much empathy for you because mm-hmm. that is just, that's just awful. I'm so sorry. However... The great news is eventually you guys will get married. Eventually this will come to an end 
and I'm sure the wedding will go exactly as it should, just maybe not in the initial timing that you thought it would, but it gives you something to look forward to and gives you something to plan for, and maybe you'll change some things because of it, but I just really feel for you. I'm very sorry. So you always take the higher road, Kel. Uh, that's why I need you here. Uh, <laughs> Are you ready to go, like, pounce? Well, I think that, like, you're, you're, you are dead on about why these things deserve all of the, uh, the thought and the enthusiasm and why the disappointment's valid and that she's doing the right thing. That's, like, an unfortunate reality you're going to have to just, like, sit with because we're unfortunately living in a space where people think two very different things are happening in this world and your decision is is a hundred percent safer and you can rest easy knowing that you didn't put anybody in a compromising position even though that's not something you can like really see or feel i do think what kelly said is an important thing to consider like people want to be at group events we want to be engaging we want to be together all i want is to go to a dumb bridal shower with a soggy costco pinwheel truly like i just i would would give anything anything (laughs) but if i got invited to a wedding next weekend i wouldn't go but i think the other piece of this too is like there is nothing wrong with having a long engagement being engaged is so fun like nobody's pressuring you about anything you can i would so much rather have a wedding under like on the premise of like everything's fine everything's normal we can just live and enjoy ourselves and not have masks and craziness and be so careful or feel like I'm liable for somebody that gets sick or God forbid something worse happens like there is nothing wrong with waiting like you're in a great middle ground where you already know who you're going to be with wait till times get normal till you can plan the thing that you want and you dream of and that is worth the money and don't put people in a compromising position. I actually think like it's a really incredible thing that you don't have the stress of wondering when you're going to get engaged and you can just kind of like wait it out because like once a wedding passes, it's gone. And I had like a major depression come down because I loved mine so much. And like people are always in a rush to get married. And this is where I take the low road. Um, <laughs> it's in, And I, I don't know your situation, but so often people rush these things. And you said the couple was really young and like the girl was 20. I respect you if you want to wait to go habitate till marriage, if you want to wait to sleep together till marriage. That's your life, your decision. Um, But I would always implore people to consider that if that is the core driver for expediting your wedding, you've got bigger fish to fry. Mm -hmm. Like marriage is not about sleeping together. It's not about living under the same roof. It's about so much more. And if you can't weather this fiance period for a little bit longer to get to know and enjoy the person you're betrothed to, then I think there's some reprioritization that needs to happen because like I, I, it's just to do all of that, to put all of those people in danger just so you can live together or sleep together is deeply upsetting to me when you could just be engaged and live out your life. And like, so you're doing the right thing. The other people are in the wrong. The sad reality is they might never see it that way, but just as we told the other person, be confident as hell in your decision. Like do not waffle, do not apologize. Like, I, if, if I were you, I would just be like, this is what was right for us. I'm really looking forward to, you know, when we can have the wedding, make it about whatever, if it's like your family or whatever, even just like not wanting to risk certain people. You don't have to make them feel bad. It doesn't have to be a competition. 
I would just be really confident in your decision because you really did do the right thing and you get to enjoy this incredibly magical period of your life a little longer. And I would, you know, just remind you that because they are young and inexperienced, I do think the way you see the world when you're 20 to 24 is vastly different than when you've lived a little bit more life. And I only say that if, if only to help you empathize a little bit more with like, they probably think that like they have to do like first comes love, then comes marriage, the whole song and dance and kind of expedite the process that ultimately, you know, may, might work for them or might not. But I think that the wisdom of age and dating and experience uh, tells you that uh, the the importance of following those constructs is less important than doing, um, you know, the best you can in the, with what you've got. And I think it's just not always going to be like the perfect lineup. And uh, you're, I don't know, I, I, I just really think that people are putting people in horrible impossible situations right now by having their weddings and um, if you did that I don't mean to offend you but like I think you probably know that uh, there's just a lot of high-risk people out there that are having to choose between missing one of your life milestones or prioritizing them or their family's health and it's kind of an unfair impossible battle because a lot of people love you and care about you and want to go to your milestone and it hurts them to have to withdraw Mm -hmm. and I think you really like people need to think this stuff through because like it's like it's not going to a wedding because of COVID doesn't mean you're a selfish monster who believes in like some conspiracy about the pandemic it means like you're probably really hurting and you would do anything to be there but you'd like like to live more. And like, that's just the reality. And I think that people need to be more mindful of that. So long story short, I support you. We support you. Um, Keep in mind that people that are at a different age group phase of life have totally different priorities. And I think as long as you're confident, but not condescending and just like breeze on forward, uh, like your wedding is a totally different thing, then just like it'll be allowed to be a totally different thing. And you'll have the best effing time when everything's normal. Our mics got cut off, but I need to be cut off anyway. Um, you know, guys, I love giving you advice here on Kate Lila, but the best thing you can do for yourself and your life is to seek the help of a licensed therapist, a professional counselor who can be there to serve as not only a sounding board, but give you the right tools to help you be able to move forward. And I love my listeners and people like who just called in that are so open about taking charge of their mental health. It's so incredibly important to be an open example of a person who is prioritizing this in a world that is filled with stigmas. So thank you for calling, by the way, and I love you. And also, um, I wanted to thank our next sponsor, who is a provider of this. BetterHelp is an online service that matches... uh, that assesses people's needs with their mental health and matches them to their own licensed professional professional therapists and counselors to allow them to connect in a safe and private online environment that's convenient and, and, and avoids all the stress and pressure of, of waiting rooms and calling around and allows you to start communicating with the therapist and, you know, under 24 hours. It's not self-help. You know, I'll rage against self-help. This is professional counseling that allows you to find the right person for you that can help you talk out whatever you're dealing with mental health wise that if you're having trouble achieving your goals if you just need a sounding board the other thing too is that therapists have have specialties and in not every area is every specialty super easy to find it is enough of a burden to even physically do that research and get yourself to a therapist's office but sometimes you it's hard to find the right people and what i really like about betterhelp is that you can kind of hone in on the specific issues you want to work through and find licensed professional counselors who are specialized in a variety of areas from depression, stress, anxiety, to relationships, um, LGBTQ matters. There's actually, per the last call, there's specialists in family conflicts, 
anything you share is confidential. And I just think it's a really great, convenient, professional and affordable tool in trying times that we really need. Because the way you're feeling now, it is not forever. It, it You will get past it. It will go away. And for some people, it's, it's harder than others. And it's just been really helpful for me to have uh, to learn specific tools to get around uh, some of my anxieties and fears and, uh, you know, melancholic tendencies that just don't always serve me, but I also can't beat myself up for it because it's not my fault that I have them. I So many people have been using BetterHelp, like it's taking off. They've, they're have they recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states, and uh, it's also available worldwide. Like I said, I know a lot of you aren't in the U.S., so please keep that in mind. And if you want to try this as a solution, uh, as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash be there in five. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com, H-E-L-P.com slash be there in five. And as always, unless I specify, otherwise it's F-I-V-E, not the number five. Thanks to BetterHelp. Hi, Kate. I used to live in Williamsburg, Virginia, and was very intrigued when Amber Fullerup was chosen for the Williamsburg Tourism Campaign. What are your thoughts on Amber's trip, and who would you be interested in the future in seeing featured in a Williamsburg Tourism Campaign? I was also wondering what your dream campaign would look like if they chose you as a Virginia native. Where would you want to stay? What would you want to wear? And what would you want to eat? Thanks. Bye. Well, you could not have picked a better question uh, for the company I have. So we grew up about 40 minutes away from Williamsburg. My uh, Several people in my family went to the College of William & Mary. Uh, we've spent many, many fall uh, days, nights in the like going through the grounds of Colonial Williamsburg. And it's funny because I haven't been in a while and I kind of like am a little bit removed, but my sister, I think, can give you more specific input on the who, what, and where. As far as Amber's trip, you know, did I feel like it was a little off-brand to <laughs> fly out terracotta goddess Amber Filler up with her young children during a pandemic to a colonial East Coast town when she lives in Gilbert, Arizona? Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did, I would have loved to see Virginia, North Carolina, DC. I don't care. Honestly, I'm, I'm not here to discriminate, but pick somebody from the original 13 colonies <laughs> uh, who can really appreciate. That's asking a lot. <laughs> but wait, I, I think she, I, I think that they were cute and had fun and her kids like she takes good photos and they seem to enjoy themselves. But like I thought it was a very weird choice. So I think part of her question to you then was, do you have someone in mind that you would like to see? live this out or do you need some time to think on it well honestly what I would want is like you know when um a a travel PR company picks a bunch of like cool girl influencers and they go to like Cabo or Malibu or something I want a kid childless millennial trip to Colonial Williamsburg because it's so catered to kids and in my perfect world Williamsburg's trying to be like a hip bachelorette destination or something and I would love to see a bunch of influencers pretend to be having the time of their lives in Colonial Williamsburg like at a historical reenactment you know oh yeah I think that would be like my best case scenario for comedy like like everyone pose in the guillotines like- exactly exactly Kel yeah, you can yeah. get like really into the felicity of it all yeah You know, you can turn butter, you can wear hoop skirts, you can, you you know, participate in like a Revolutionary War march. Honestly, it's very Hamilton. Um, I will tell you, I kind of skimmed over the historical points more so than the rest of my family. I primarily went for the 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 premium outlets. When I say premium, I mean um, far from premium. They're they got like a Burberry and a Coach and stuff, which in high school I was like thought I was fancy. But um, it's like a real who's who of like 
Liz Claiborne, Bass Shoes. Um, I believe there's like a, a Talbots. It's a lot of like a um, large sunglass hut. Yeah, it's like Williamsburg. I primarily only went to for outlets, Bush Gardens, or Water Country USA. Uh, but Kelly went. Well, Amber stayed at Kingsmill, which is beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, like really, and they have that lazy river, which I don't normally love, like a stew in your own filth water park. But if you know, she she seems to care about skincare, and if she got in, who says the rest then, of us then, couldn't? <laughs> Where would you go? So, you know, growing up, we went every other year for a field trip. So we really got to know the history. As an adult, my college friends and I used to, even in our 20s, would get our pictures taken with Santa. Mm -hmm. And we would go to the Yankee Candle Factory. Ah, yes, the Yankee (laughs) Candle Factory. (laughs) Pose with Santa. But it was so fun. I know it sounds weird. But we did it because it was set up for Christmas. It was so beautiful. You had all the scents, and you know I'm a candle lover, so mm-hmm. it was it was truly magical. And they really make it feel like you're not in Williamsburg, Virginia. I mean, it makes it feel like you're at the North Pole. What more could you want? The North Pole with a light stomachache. Well, it, that's okay. Do those smells not give you a stomachache? Never. You're so you're so sensitive to everything ever. I know. I'm shocked the Yankee Candle does isn't sensory overload. No, but see the thing is, I also love every room is themed. So you go in and you're like, oh, okay, this is this is what I'm looking for, and then you just you shop for hours, for me at least. I, but I, <laughs> I I could spend all day every day in a candle store, and you know what? Maybe I miss my calling in life. Oh. So guys, if okay. you want to spend some time submersed in our nation's history. <laughs> If you want to be more Yankee Doodle, go to Colonial Williamsburg. Yes. If you want to be more Yankee Candle, <laughs> hang at the premium outlets. You know, it's a great place. So I highly recommend it. I also think, I mean, Colonial Williamsburg, I will say, is cool. I know the reenactments yeah. are a little old school, but it really is interesting to see, like to get to watch kind of history play out. But you can literally just, you walk down Dog Street. You, you've mentioned Duke the Duke of Gloucester Street. Oh, great. Isn't great that what trivia. it stands yeah. for? Um, you go to the cheese shop. And you just get to indulge in a variety of cheeses, all kinds of jams. Uh, they have different popcorn flavors. They have delicious toffee. You go in, there's this whole wine. <laughs> Is this weird? No. <laughs> I love the cheese shop. I don't know. I do too. Fun. <laughs> so you go, anyway, so you walk around, but even the campus of William and Mary is beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, in New Yorktown, you can see the, 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 the N, the P, and the SM. We you know did what that used is? to go to, yeah, the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. No, I was exci- how excited you knew what I was talking about. Because we went to field, we took a field trip there literally Always. every other year. Always. Um, well, now I'm just on a Yankee Candle kick. Need I, I remind you, though, what happened? So Kelly, one year, went to the Yankee Candle factory after Christmas to get all of the stuff on sale. Yes. But then she put all, she bought, like, tons of stuff. Oh. And then she put it in the attic. And um, it... I'm pretty sure all melted. it melted because it all melts. It all melted in the this green bin that I still use to store Christmas stuff. I really should just you, you know, were buy like new. Really bummed. Well, it was a lot of money that was spent <laughs> on candles that went to waste. Your financial hundreds, advisor didn't of dollars <laughs> that wax at the time. <laughs> When I had no money, like I spent all my money. It's just like when I was in high school and I saved up my babysitting money to buy Beanie Babies and I left them in the rental car. Like I do these what? things. I do these things. When did that, that happen? In high school. 
Whose rental Which car? Which just means I just said on air that when I was in high school, I collected <laughs> Beanie Babies. <laughs> I went with my neighbor, one of our neighbors, and maybe it was eighth grade. Like, God, I hope so. And I saved up my babysitting money and to buy Beanie Babies and left them in the back, like behind the back seat, like where the windshield is. I put them on display. <laughs> Ultimobile, yeah, in a rental car, and needless to say, again, like a hundred bucks down the drain. Which, as an eighth or ninth grader, this is a broader conversation about how you spend your money. That's true. I'm, I'm, I, I I have a tendency, like, I'll be really strict about stuff and then just be frugal for no reason. Yeah, you're like, I deserve this. I mean, not frugal, the opposite, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, all what's the word? Uh, impulsive, yes. Como se impulsive. That is you. Like me buying cars. I just yes. am like, I need a yes. new car. Oh, I'm going to go get a new car today. There's yes. no reason for it. There's no need for it. I'm aware of it. No, I, I, but I think that, um, that is like behavior that I do too, because I think sometimes when you don't have like, uh, it's exciting once you get to a point in your life where you can buy things. I think the last thing I should mention, just because my mom will be beside herself, if I don't give people this suggestion, um, growing up, you know, we didn't so much, uh, dine in Williamsburg as we were encouraged to, um, absolutely excavate the peanut shop, uh, from samples. You can go into the peanut shop and try literally every type of peanut. And if you make two to three laps, typically they won't stop you. So when guests come to town, when we were young, we would just really make laps at the peanut shop and get pretty full. And they have really good different flavors like Old Bay, like caramel, like sugar, cinnamon a, sugar. A wide variety. Yeah, the peanut shop's outstanding. And Virginia is known for its peanuts. Um, so I would recommend going there. But people love the cheese shop sandwiches the best. I don't know. I don't have any other rec- like restaurant recommendations, but um, it did make us laugh because um, – the very first place Amber went on her influencer trip was the Baker's Crust, which isn't it like a mall restaurant? It's a mall chain. It, it actually, the Baker's Crusted Short Pump is right next to the CPK. Well, right. And I, don't get me wrong, I love, they have a delicious mushroom bisque. You know, it's just an interesting choice because there are some cute little local shops. Right. It's funny to go, but I guess they sponsored it. But like, yeah, as a tourism board, you'd think you'd like, I don't know, feature local businesses. I mean, but or hit up the local Applebee's, you know? I mean, or hit up, honestly, I don't hate a Chili's. I don't think you told me your name, but whoever called in, you are so sweet. And um, we, the Kennedys, we stand Williamsburg. Oh. We have many important family events and life milestones there. It's such a beautiful place. It's so much more than just like, uh, history, and I'd argue that like actually a lot of the boring colonial history is more Jamestown vibes. Like, no offense to Jamestown, but like when you go to Jamestown, they're like, there was a lot of mosquitoes. <laughs> People died. Like, don't you feel like it's kind of a bummer? Yeah, it is. It is a bit of a bummer. <laughs> the winery. They have a lovely winery. Williamsburg Winery. Williamsburg winery. Yeah. Awesome. And yes. it's, you know, it's not like in the mountains in Charlottesville or you know Napa, yeah. but it's still it's really pretty and the wine is good. The governor's white. Oh, it's outstanding. And the it, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because I just you know want to put this out there. Um, have I contacted uh, Virginia's for Lovers Tourism Board? Absolutely. Have I said just a Virginia gal trying to spread the good word? Send me anywhere. Yeah. Have I received a response? No. God oh. no. Um, 
I was really gunning for uh, taking my family on like a, I, I want to, sh- so like I'm very into showing people the wine countries of America that aren't Napa, Sonoma, Paso like Robles, Michigan. like Michigan. Because I think that like we're in a time where we can't really travel and I think wine tasting is a really fun activity that brings people together and that there's a lot of hardworking winemakers that aren't taken seriously because of their uh, terroir, their region. (laughs) And um, Virginia has the most beautiful fall foliage and wineries. It's like honestly so underrated. And I think that outside of Virginia, people don't really know that. And I think that Western Michigan too, which I'm going to in a couple weeks has that. And anyway, I'm trying to get Virginia to sponsor me. Uh, and I, I only say this because I just want to manage expectations. If I did do tourism spawn con, it probably wouldn't be for Williamsburg. <laughs> but I love Williamsburg. <laughs> It'd be for like the Virginia Beach Boardwalk. Oh, or, yeah. Um, Kelly, I am to answer the rest of the Kate Lila questions myself because you do need to. Because um, I'm falling asleep at the wheel. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I so appreciate you joining me. It's nice to have a friend. Um, and I miss you living here. But people love to hear from you. I want to know what you're up to. I might have like accidentally said on a PowerPoint call that I thought you might have been on a date and the comments went wild. And I forgot I was saying it out loud to the public. <laughs> on there was, was like maybe two oh, weeks I was. ago. You were. I was, yeah. Here's the thing. People date, it's casual. But I, you know, I just say that to say people are invested in your life. So anytime you have an update, feel free to swing on back by. Oh yeah, I will. Um hopefully next time I have, you know, something of excitement to share but with you folks. Will you share this with us your that beanie baby oh, story? <laughs> How can you forget? You know, also, if if I date you, you're getting an Argyle sweater. So exactly. there's that. Oh <laughs> so embarrassing. Okay. Oh, you're the best. On that note, you. I'm going to go to the hotel. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, Kate. This is Tammy, a longtime listener, first-time caller. Um, okay, so I don't know if you've been keeping up with the whole Danielle Bernstein situation on Instagram. Um, and you know, Diet Product always does, like, more than a few posts about her because she is pretty dang terrible. I was just wondering if you could touch on her a bit, or, ugh, that's under weird, just on the topic of how problematic she is, or if you could do a deep dive um, on just all the crap that she's been doing the past few years, from Photoshopping to stealing uh, design ideas and, you know, just how problematic she is if we could go in or if you could do a deep dive on her that would be wonderful uh anyway thank you so much and i hope to hear i don't know an episode about this hopefully now my call the person danielle bernstein please do a deep dive anyway thanks bye i have so many thoughts ranging from (laughs) total projection and irrelevant uh commentary to what I find about what she's done that's like deeply personal as like a person who's built a small business and been ripped off. I mean, for okay, so for starters, if you're not familiar with Danielle, uh, she her fashion blog is called We Were What, not to be confused with who, what, where. Um, she's kind of one of the original like street style fashion bloggers that I feel like was genuinely embraced uh, by like major designers that did serious brand collabs that was taken pretty seriously in the fashion industry and objectively speaking, separating art from artists, separating character. um, I do commend women who start legitimate businesses and parlay their, uh, you know, social media influence into legitimate business models or startups that uh, get funding that seem to gain traction. Her fashion lines with Onya 
her overalls. Like, her stuff's cute. She's clearly very successful. Um, I just wish it wasn't so hard to support her. And I think that what I struggle with with people like Danielle or Ariel Charnas is, like, for me to deep dive and to breathe more life into the scandal, it almost to me is is uh, frustrating as, you know, I and many people I know, it's like you're so careful and nervous to ever like accidentally do something to upset somebody because like I'd probably be done. But the same people mess up all the time. And it's like a game of whack-a-mole. And it just never matters. And people's engagement never, ever seems to meaningfully subside. And there's just like this world of like so – and I don't, I'm not even – I'm not talking about myself. I just mean like there's so many incredible content creators and influencers anymore who put so much effort into being consistent and, and adding value and being unproblematic and being educational, among other things. And like – it's just so hard to make it and so hard to to build anything. And that yet these people at the top who keep really meaningfully messing up in, in ways that have pretty serious implications when you think about like Ariel and, uh, you know, her communication to the public about a public health crisis. And when we think about Danielle and her um, blatant attempt to take down another woman's business over a, an amount of money that is truly nominal uh, like a, not, a non-event to her uh but just on like principle over like ego and bullying and i think that what's upsetting is like i i don't know you guys like she's clearly successful and she has good taste but and like i can go through all the stuff she's done but like my question to you is like why does nobody care <laughs> It takes a lot for me to unfollow somebody because, like, I'm following is like, me and, like, my character. But beyond that, I'm also following, like, as a person who talks about influencers. So even in the presence of scandal, I kind of, like, tune in. But I thought it was so, so, so unconscionable and horrible and deeply, um, like, it was, it was such... It, the, you couldn't like mince words or like explain your way out of it. It was just such like a thing that was indicative of character to me, what she did to um, fashion without trash and the Poshmark seller that that was kind of where I drew the line. If you want me to just like tell you some of like her high level scandals, um, she's just been uh, called out for copying people several times. Like, but the the problem is like she'll go to a showroom or she'll order samples or somebody will give her free product and then she'll basically like repurpose it and come out with it several months later and typically they're not dissimilar enough to not get her in trouble in 2018 it was with foundry a jewelry brand and her nordstrom line that got pulled because they were identical and she just gone to the company's studio perhaps the worst example is uh this face mask brand there's a it's a company called by second wind it's a latina owned small business started in the pandemic and it's this really cool mask design with a specific chain and danielle reached out to her for samples uh like to support her to feature her to ask for like something for free because she's an influencer which is also kind of a hilarious piece of this is just like the general entitlement people feel to get free stuff all the time but whatever uh and then 
soon after getting those samples from this small Latina-owned brand by Second Wind, uh, it's owned by a woman named uh, Karen Perez, uh, that Danielle comes out with a line of masks with like the very similar gold chain, similar fabric, similar style. And Karen Perez, the founder of By Second Wind, said, um, I was really excited she liked our masks. I started it two weeks after the pandemic. I literally put my blood, sweat, and tears into it. She reached out to me to support me. Why didn't she tell me she was working on the same thing? She used the same kind of chain and the same fabric, the same colors, and that really upset me. When I saw her masks, I was heartbroken. I'm fed up. For me, as a woman and as a minority, I have to stand up for myself. She's a phony. She stands up for minorities, but she's ripping us off, thinking we only have a tiny voice. Danielle said, I designed and ordered these masks up over two months ago before I knew what buy second win was. The chain and construction are completely different. They're not. <laughs> and the thing is, why would you reach out to a brand that's ultimately going to be a competitor in this competitive category for a product that's so similar to yours that you already designed if you're going to sell it? You don't think it's weird to ask a competitor for a product that you're going in a category you're entering? It's one thing to buy. It's another thing to reach out and ask for free. Like, it's kind of just like devil F you. You're, you have the right to make masks and every, a lot of things in life are derivative, but it was just like this sort of direct transaction, like going to the foundry showroom and literally putting their designs in Nordstrom, asking this woman for a mask and then making it herself, buying a pair of shorts on Etsy that she thought were allegedly vi vintage, talking about how she's going to recreate them because you can be derivative from vintage. Then the Etsy shop owner being like, uh, no, those are made to order, order. Those are my designs. But it's always like a, a finger pointing uh, kind of becomes a victim situation of no accountability being taken. It's denial. It's somebody else did it. It's I didn't mean to, whatever. One time is one thing. Multiple times is just a, a, it's just an example of a broader problem of a lack of respect for other people's businesses, intellectual property, and for thinking like she's too big, too bad, and too cool to have to play by the rules and that she can squash the little person. And the irony is she thinks these people use her for press. And this most recent example, she put out like a swimsuit that was a pattern that a boutique in Brooklyn uses for their tissue paper and wallpaper. And it's very similar. And she kept reiterating that somebody on her team did this design. It's clearly derivative of this design because she shopped at this boutique and she's like been there. And they were kind of like, no, this is ridiculous and sent her a cease and desist. The way she responded to that cease and desist is to sue this small woman owned Brooklyn business in the middle of a pandemic because she's trying to make an example out of them, I think, which is so messed up because, again, no accountability. I unfollowed recently, like, well, in January, so actually not super up to date, like, with this year. Um, but that brings me back to the, the example that I think is far more important than I would remind people of, which is where I was just done. Um, which is when Danielle was in that position, when she was just like the Brooklyn lingerie boutique, just like the jewelry designer, just like the mask uh, designer. When she was in that position and her designs were being compromised and were vulnerable and were early released and her intellectual property was at stake, when the tables were turned, she lost her effing mind, tried to take down somebody's business, to threaten them, extort them, uh, you know, run them over with legal fees and essentially ruin their life for something that was Danielle's fault. And in the other instances, the designers had something stolen from them. In the case of uh, Dan what Danielle did to the Poshmark seller, Danielle's team made a mistake that she would not cop to, own up to, and she tortured somebody for not complying, essentially doing her a large favor. And it makes me so, so crazy. Back it up into why I have this whole standpoint. I just need to read you and remind you of one email that just really, well, I, I will never forget because this represents something that would have been my personal nightmare and would have 
ruined everything for me and would have if somebody had done this to me and successfully done this to me I wouldn't be sitting here like people have the power to make or break careers and people that use that power to double down on making somebody else uh have to pay the consequences of their mistakes or wrongdoings is just a level of sick I can't even I, I, I'm gonna have to, I have trouble articulating okay so to recap Long story short, it was the beginning of this year. There's a, fa- a Poshmark seller of fashion without trash named Jade. Uh, she sources from a bunch of different resellers, thrift stores, Goodwill, whatever, and put stuff up for sale. I believe, I don't know if she's just on Poshmark, but with that comes an entire process. You source the materials. You probably have to like wash them, steam them, style them, sort them, blah, blah, blah. You have to get a model. You have to take photos. You have to edit those photos. You have to put up all the sizing and the nuance, and each piece is different, and there's no scalability with listings because each one is custom. Dealing with a consistent inflow of custom listings is actually quite a clerical nightmare. It's a legitimate business model. People make good money reselling, uh, and I think that there's, you know, there are times when that can be a business model that's taking, you know, clothes away from people that need them. But I do think largely the recycling of clothing is a really positive thing. And it's putting things like that on the internet is a way for people to have access to things that they might be looking for. Like me who found my midnight cowgirl Abercrombie shirt that meant so much for me from a Poshmark seller who found it at a Goodwill. Um, and regardless, it's a, it's a real business and it's a lot of work and she's very successful. She's like, a, you know, over a hundred thousand followers she she herself is is not small or insignificant in any way shape or form um but danielle's uh like somebody that works at her showroom uh dropped off an entire bag of samples to goodwill allegedly um that were her like spring line of bathing suits that had not been released yet uh they figured this out and try to track down the samples basically eventually see them on poshmark see that jade is selling them Contact Jade and, like, tell her take these down immediately. Keep in mind, this is Danielle's mistake. <laughs> and she rightfully bought um, the clothes from Goodwill that were taken there. Long story short, there's a miscommunication. Jade, the Poshmark seller, is like, okay, I will sell them back to you at, like, uh, retail value. And Danielle was like, no, I said I would buy them back from you at resale value. Danielle wanted to buy them from her at cost of what it was at goodwill jade was like well no because i had to spend my time sourcing it was like a lot of pieces like take them home style them whatever wash them steam them she already paid a model she already paid for all the listing work did all the sizing like did all the things and uh put up all of these listings and it was like I think multiple days of like work or something. And um, they kind of went back and forth and Danielle was kind of making it seem like she was being extorted or something. When the reality is, is that Danielle just wasn't taking Jade's business model seriously and was making her seem greedy for what was is just a request for her to cover the cost. Essentially. I don't even think Jade wanted the retail markup. She just wanted the, um, the, the costs covered um, but it's, that's not even fair, honestly, because she should make up like, it, uh, and also Danielle has so much money. It was like, it's just, it's so, so dismissive and rude and, uh, like t- completely, 
making yourself a victim of something that is so clearly your fault. And to watch this email back and forth and just have Jade, this Poshmark seller who works her ass off, be that have uh, Danielle's mistake be made to be Jade's urgency is something I find so deeply irritating and indicative of a person's character because there was no accountability being taken. She admitted it was a mistake, but what she wasn't understanding is that literally her even responding to her emails is a favor. She owes you nothing. And you're strong arming this to get a t- uh, to keep a nominal amount of money as if you're being unfairly extorted when really you're the one that's deeply inconveni- inconveniencing this person who did nothing wrong. And I found the email one second. Uh, it said, so uh, Danielle's at this point, lawyers had like emailed Jade, like cease and desist, like we're trying to scare her. Then this email says, Jade, this was a mistake made by, by our showroom manager. He only dropped the goods off with goodwill. So it is simply not possible you receive them elsewhere. I agree to pay for your costs, what you bought the goods for, what the model cost, and the photo shoot you did. I am in contact with the Poshmark CEO and can get the entire shop pulled if you put them back up. I really appreciate your understanding, and we would like to reward you with a bunch of shop we were what product that we can have from this current collection that you can sell on your shop page instead. I don't care who you are, where you're from, what you did, what you do going forward. Like, after I read this email, she was dead to me, and I unfollowed immediately. And I honestly don't even want to honor the nonsense with my airtime. Because to make have your employee make a mistake that is your fault, and to have somebody rightfully be doing their job, that this is exactly why this keeps happening over and over is because that's not a person who is sorry. That is not a person who is acknowledging their wrongdoing in any meaningful way. That is a person who feels entitled to have things go their way every time, independent of their role in the wrongdoing and independent of how this outcome is going to affect other people. That's a mindset some people have that can make them very successful. But if you honestly go around sourcing masks from small Latina business owners in the middle of a pandemic, suggesting you made the masks way before, then why are you reaching out to mask owners to get free product when you're making a competitive product? That is not normal. It's not normal to threaten to take somebody's entire business down, their livelihood down, and make them pay and them suffer for a mistake you made. And instead of owning that mistake, you double down on bullying them, putting your lawyers on them, and beyond that, threatening them that if they they don't do exactly what you ask, the implications will be so grave because you are bigger and you are more powerful and you are more important, and you will make them feel as small as humanly possible. And the irony is, in that moment, Danielle felt the vulnerability that Foundry probably felt when she ripped off the Nordstrom line, that the mask owner of, like, by Second Wind probably felt when she saw Danielle with a very similar mask that she had sourced for free from her and then manufactured herself. The shorts owner, the, the tissue paper, wallpaper people. It's not a matter of going after her to use the name for press. It's a matter of when you're punching up and feeling like somebody bigger than you, more influential than you, more powerful than you, and who has more money than you, can essentially, like, shut you down, shush your mouth, and no one hears you scream. Like, 
you have to scream. You have to cause a scene because she'll pull power moves like that because she'll pay the fees of lawyers and people who will hunt these people down and intimidate them to the point where them fighting back is going to exceed what it's worth. And so she just like, so it's crazy because her, she was feeling like her designs were at risk. They were at risk of being compromised, being released to really other people seeing them. And therefore, her intellectual property was vulnerable. She goes to town and threatens to take another small business owner's business down for, again, something that was her fault. It's not like Jade even ripped off her designs. She rightfully bought them. And that's the sort of hypocrisy and entitlement that tears don't erase, that apologies don't erase, that countersuits, that good deeds. I have no... (sighs) It's one of those things where I find this behavior so, so incredibly deeply disappointing. And watching and her and Jade eventually met in person and like settled it somehow. And their Instagram video was so odd and it made me feel like Jade was being held hostage and it was just so performative to me. And that's what I find it always is. It's just like, okay, I, instead of uh, like genuinely apologizing, making it right, being sincere, (laughs) I am just going to make it seem like everything's fine and move on and pretend like it didn't happen instead of like legitimately make it right. And or I'm going to say it's just business, blah, blah, blah. I get that. I get when it's just business. I have made it rain with cease and desist. If somebody takes something that's rightfully yours, you have every right to be all over their ass legally. If somebody is stealing something of yours, if somebody is infringing upon something of yours, not if you made a mistake and the person did nothing wrong and you like threaten and try to extort them. It's like, it's honestly, it blows my mind. That to me, I think people like forget how truly, truly awful that is. And so a lot of the other design stuff, I'm just not even surprised and I don't pay a ton of attention. I think there's also an issue of like her being out and about and partying in the Hamptons and like having COVID and then like storing her way through COVID. I don't know, you guys, I like, I don't even have the energy to like tell you, like the, we all know why that's frustrating. And like, we all, like, that's another thing. I'm like, why are you telling people you have COVID? Like, I, th- these are the things I don't understand. And like, all the while, as a person who, like, I I am not perfect. I make mistakes. I don't want to be on a high horse. Um, I think people are multidimensional in more than one way. And I think sometimes when we go after people and we're like, you know, oh, it's just crocodile tears. Oh, they're faking it. Oh, they're a monster, blah, blah, she probably is a She probably is a person that, like, wants to do well and wants to mean well and probably doesn't like that she gets herself in these scenarios. Nobody wants an onslaught of hate. Nobody wants to be the person constantly messing up. I think it's such a funny misnomer that people think people actively deliberately design scandals for themselves on a consistent basis as if anybody wants that string of hate. Now, that is nobody's preferred route. Maybe they'll do it sometimes, but this is a level of consistency that's just not normal. And I'm an empathetic human who I like I don't want anybody to like get death threats. I don't want anybody to be like des- like horribly hated to feel bad about themselves like I want people to evolve. I want to give them the grace to evolve. And I I, I don't want, I, I actually really do not like when people um, talk about people as if they are all good or all evil. Uh, because I think at the end of the day, a lot of us are vulnerable, have insecurities, and are probably like, dealing with a lot. And I have no doubt that this is insane implications on her mental health. How could it not if people came at you all the time? I just think that like, when there's this disposition of like, oh, why do all these things happen to me? 
um, it's it's there's just such a lack of acknowledgement of you are the instigator. You are the one that made these things happen. And you are the one that can prevent them going forward, regardless of if it's you directly or somebody on your team or an oversight or whatever. You test, you learn, you apologize, you improve, you move forward, you drop your ego, you own up to things, and you make it right with people who you wrong. And I think there can be a lot of miscommunications and uncomfortable interactions in business. And I like hate when people are like, oh, I've worked with her. She's a bitch, blah, blah, blah. Because I'm just like, you know what? Like, I, we, get, we can't be women in business and do that either. Um, it's not about, like, your general, like, disposition or, like, vibe or if you said yes or no or something or how you were in a negotiation. It's like, I'm just talking these deliberate scenarios where something was stolen, um, somebody's uh, livelihood was messed with. Uh, I know I didn't spend a ton of time on, like, her other scandals, but I just guess I wanted to remind you of that story. Uh 30 second explanation um i the way be there and five got started is that it was like a side hustle turned like startup small business that kind of like took off and it was the literal premise was reminder doormats that said things like turn off your straightener turn off your curling iron for like i'll be there in five minutes type people that tend to run late have great intentions but are a little forgetful like me um and it just like was literally the concept of turning a doormat upside down uh I was the first one to do like the hair appliance ones, like so many of them. I like paid to protect them, get the intellectual property register, which is extremely hard for something that is considered ornamental, which is a design element, which mind you is basically all of what Danielle uh, is up against, meaning it's very easy to copy and very hard to enforce. And she would probably get away with it outside of just being generally called out. Um, And, uh, from the second my mats went viral and people had a focus group seeing that people liked them, I spent four years just being um, undercut and outsold by the stuff I designed myself. And yes, turn off your straightener is a, just a word, but it is. I was the first person to put those words on a mat and I have the registered trademark. You get a registered trademark. Who's responsible for policing it? You are. Don't get so like I said, I've sent out more harsh emails and cease and desist than like I can count. But I I'll I'll be a total pit bull in any instance where I have something that's being taken from me. That's my own blood, sweat and tears, as everybody who went after Danielle had the right to do, too. Um, But the problem is it's pretty clear when you're at the size and scale to litigate and when you're not. I can send out all the cease and desist I want. But people at a certain level know that they are going to get away with it because you're not going to freaking take them to court. It's not like the legal fee. Like it's, it's not worth it. So people basically sit around, especially with stores like Etsy, and wait to see what gets popular and figure out how to make it themselves or leverage existing infrastructure because a lot of these types of places make a bunch of stuff in-house. And so I'd watch companies in different parts of the U.S. and in China pretend to be mom and pop shops literally watch my store, make my exact stuff. I'd have, I had people use just the photos of the mats, like would copy and paste my listings. I would see people pop up that were doing the same like hand-painted thing that I was, which the only way I stayed competitive was that everyone else screen printed. And I like built out a shop that hand-painted and like hired people and my mom and I did them. And they were more like decorative and they were really pretty and they didn't look like other mats because literally no one in their right mind paints doormats. Like a lot of people spray paint them, but this was like, whatever, it's a different technology thing that we did. Um, and 
I just like, you know, why would I, there's a, on Armitage Avenue in Chicago, there's a Mac cosmetics two doors down from Walgreens. Every time I'm in Mac, I'm like, why am I buying this Mac lipstick? Uh, it is $20 more than the wet and wild lipstick that is the same color. Maybe a slightly different formula. There's, there's an X factor of the brand there. I'm getting something of value out of that. Anytime somebody is undercutting you or copying you or whatever, yeah, you can litigate. Yeah, you can, you know, you have every right to protect yours. But at the end of the day, you have to be the first to innovate and you have to focus on delivering your brand's value um, in a way that makes it uh, distinct, even if the product itself does not seem that way. And uh, this is why branding and marketing is like everything and positioning is everything and packaging is everything. And um, I just uh, spent a lot of time and lost a lot of sleep and was deeply upset that's a person like I similarly like I you know I won't pretend that I I you know I had a good corporate job like it's not like I was desolate but like it's not nothing for a person like me to like have an idea to cobble together a business plan to work their ass off and make a quarter of a million dollars selling doormats like out of nowhere like I knew what I was doing and I knew that I had something and um it was really hard to watch it um consistently be undercut and to this day I see my own stuff in hallways and apartment buildings and everywhere just like stuff like that I made an illustrator or like specific phrases that like I just are so me that I did like it's just it's funny and I and I'll wrap this up in a second well at first I just want to encourage everybody like I never want to be on a high horse I'm the farthest thing from perfect and sometimes I'm an utter monster we all are it's fine nobody's all one way I'm not saying I do this perfectly, but I I just always want to if <laughs> want to use uh, this 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 vehicle to remind people of like what actually is meaningful and important, um, and like supporting women and how important that like entrepreneurial small business ecosystem is. And I even need to remember this, even just like with my day to day purchases. Uh, but especially if you're a person with a, a a platform with power with money with any sort of uh, currency in any sense that somebody else could benefit from in building their career. I mean, support small business in general, of course, but it's, you know, uh, as we know, always good to focus on under underrepresented segments of entrepreneurs, whether it's female-owned businesses, BIPOC-owned businesses, making sure you're paying attention to who is having, you know, trouble accessing capital. I think that it's just important to focus and prioritize the ecosystem in this way and to recognize how and where we were given opportunities and be sure to grant those same opportunities to other people that are underrepresented in this sector. I had no money, no investors, no connections. I entered into three industries where I knew nobody and had zero experience. I Googled everything I've ever done and every all the movement I've ever gotten within those industries where most people wouldn't even look my direction is due to women giving me small chances that compounded over time. And prioritizing that is, is important to me and making sure that I'm supporting women who do that for other people who aren't competitive, who aren't undercutting, who aren't manipulative. And this is what kills me. What I want to remind people of is that there's a bigger, broader issue here of of who we're letting lead industries that have chances to really allow other women to succeed and who are actively going out of their way to do the opposite. And anytime somebody is in a position where they have the ability to be disenfranchised or have a setback um, from a, a privilege that you have that they lack, like this is where rubber hits the road with like, you know, bachelor optics, like support other women versus like 
freaking support other women's economic development in a meaningful way that allows them to thrive and maximize their circumstances. And that's what I think people don't realize is the importance of focusing on small businesses and female entrepreneurs um, and how big of a difference it makes when you don't pull these bullshit power moves and bully moves and when you actually go out of your way to make the person who is in the unfavorable position feel supported. Anyways, this answer went off the rails. Um, it's just a, yeah, a topic I think is important. And um, anyway, you guys, I mean, yeah, if, I don't know. Some of you might have listened to like how I built this episodes or whatever. I have a bunch of stuff on my business like out there, but um that's kind of like why like everything I'm working on in my career now is like my brain to paper, my brain to mic, my brain to everything. Like I just it's almost had such a profound effect on my life that like I want everything I do to be genuinely proprietary and the like safest way I know to protect myself, my ideas and my my talent is um, to cut out any and all middleman and product type example that enables my the the my ideas and the things I think to be easily and obviously replicated and as, even though everyone has a podcast you can't do it the same way a person does it like you could talk about the same things but you'll, your, your style your taste your personality like everything's totally different and the creative vehicles I'm in now I think have so much I've purposefully entered into because it's like no one else can write my book but me no one else can do my podcast but me uh, I no one else can develop other businesses that they pass off but me and the person that ideates and starts it so I think that like I it just completely changed how I uh treated my career because it was that damaging to me uh to feel so vulnerable and um uh like my stuff was not worthwhile or important it was just uh an opportunity for other people to capitalize off of uh, my creativity and the only thing that makes me unique and it's just a really hard thing to sustain in a product form and I just encourage anybody to think twice about that but um, on that note too that's also why like I had a hell of a time in the podcasting industry people are so competitive nobody would talk to me for years um, and I feel like in that same like women supporting women sort of thing it's like I mean I don't have I have a solo podcast I can't have women, like people on here all the time I mean, I could, but it's just not the format. And um, I want to be like strategic about it in a sense of like, what am I really doing here? What what value am I really trying to add? And how am I, you know, either contributing to or actively fighting against what I don't like about this industry? And um, that's where I've like, for example, next week's episode, every other under the influence or even though we paused them because of COVID, I'm going to do micro-influencers, and I want to actually feature people whose, I think, talent, consistency, content, hard work, unique perspective, leadership are things like we desperately need in the influencer like community and that are doing important work and that we need to start talking less about people that are problematic and celebrating people that are, you know, doing the most and getting the least credit for it. And I think there's so many talented examples of micro influencers. That's not an offense. I'm I'm a micro influencer, by the way. Um, it's under 100k on Instagram, right? I think that's what it means. Um, but I just kind of had this moment where I was like, this whole time, everyone, no one's ever wanted me on their show or to come on mine or blah blah, blah because I'm not a celebrity. I'm not famous. Like there's this thing attached to me that makes me worthless in somebody else's eyes. 
And then I realized, wait, I'm going to say no to people that are celebrities, that are famous. Like, they can't add value to me. They can't add value for the world and ecosystem I'm trying to build. If you can, like, if, if it's a person I'm a fan of or you guys are a fan of, um, like, absolutely. I'm not opposed to famous people, period. But, I mean, there are a ton of famous people that go on press tours, that just go on circuits, and they they don't they have nothing to, of value to add except for self-promotion. If you can add value to a topic or if, like, I'm a longtime fan or whatever, like, it's a totally different story. But otherwise, just like you don't want me on because I'm not famous, I don't want you on just because you're famous. So let me instead give this audience an opportunity to people that actually, like, deserve to you know, deserve the exposure, you know? Um, so that's kind of some responsibility I'm trying to take in this. As I talk about through, like, stream of social consciousness and at different parts this year, it's like I am so in my own head and just trying to, like, you know, claw my way through a, an industry that people are so highly competitive with one another in, even though I don't really feel that way at all, especially given the very unpopular format of this show. And um, uh, I think that when you start to see people come around and pay attention to you and act like you haven't been here the whole time, it's kind of like such a cool and empowering thing for me to take that airtime and to give it to people who not who ignored me but who are in the position I was once in right and that deserve a hell of a lot more credit and um uh exposure so I'm excited to bring on more micro influencers just to have interesting conversations about the cool stuff they're doing and to take more responsibility in that sense so I am not just out here being like so poor other women uh, but anyway, guys, okay, I need to move on to the next question. But yeah, next week we have Carmen Meyer on. I'm obsessed with her. She is a teacher, an activist. Uh, she's a COVID bride. She's got a, like every scenario going on um, in terms of being both an educator and a bride and having to navigate that. But she's also an incredible activist and uh, has displayed incredible leadership in recent months in helping um, to inform and point to resources and explain and engage with her followers in so many different ways about uh, racial injustice in this country. And I've just been so incredibly impressed um, and learned so much from her. And I just, it was really interesting talking to her and hearing more about how she got started, especially when you start to influence and create content as a, as a side hustle. It's not an easy thing to do. So anyway, you guys. All right, guys, this, this episode's a Mr. Toad's wild ride of Topics, moods, sleeplessness, company, solo, singing. I don't know. I'm going to need to listen back to this. <laughs> anyway, guys, I, I love doing Kate Lila's. I think it's <clears throat> a fun way to not know what topics are coming. And I got so many good voicemails. I'll have to do another follow-up one soon. I actually have the first part of the episode. Did I say this earlier? Um, done where I talk about like the early stages of the rela my relationship with my husband. But like I accidentally go in on like uh, kind of my thoughts on like dating throughout life in high school and college and kind of like setting the stage for, um, I don't know, my disposition, I guess, as it relates to dating and how I felt uh, like the very specific headspace and experience I had had prior to meeting Greg in the event. You want to hear that. Um I it's on patreon.com slash be there in five as always I do a part one and then put it up and then see where people's interest is and then gauge accordingly uh but also don't forget I'm uh, linking the episode notes and Instagram at be there in five to get tickets for my virtual live show 
it's so helpful to me because it helps uh, the people I'm working with think that like people are interested in me <laughs> one. And uh, I am just trying to like, I don't know. It's, it's helpful to know, you know, especially if, if, if you're not on Patreon, like these are monetized with ads weekly. Um, but like just trying to figure out like what to do with my life. It's helpful to know, like if people spend a couple of bucks to do something different or extra or to support kind of another avenue of this. And it's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm learning as I go trying to figure out what the best, um, usage of platforms is. And I just am so grateful to you guys for even being interested at all in anything I'm doing. And it means a lot to me and I promise it'll be entertaining and different and I'll tease some more stuff the closer we get to it. I hope you hang in there. I'll, you know, I'll loop back with you, um, next week. I know we're in trying times. I don't even know what to expect. I'm just like exhausted thinking about it. I wish I could be the fearless leader giving you words of inspiration. But all I can really tell you at this point is that I hope you just take good care of yourself. And I don't mean in that like mom wine life, like take a shower, go crazy. But like actually like take some deep breaths. I love to listen to a, a YouTube um, like sleep hypnosis. I love to engage in escapist content to remind myself that I can have conversations and experience pockets of joy in microcosms where we enjoy each other's company and presence, even though it's a privilege at times to ignore what's going on in the world. I think sometimes for your mental health, it's important. I'm feeling very uncertain and a little nervous about this week, and I think we all are. And that's kind of why I actually didn't want to do anything heavy or election oriented. Like I'm a little on um, information overload and I think it gets to a place where like I'm not learning something new and it's just making me more and more anxious. So I'm trying to kind of, you know, balance a bit. But anyway, I love you guys. You're smart. You know what to do. You're competent. You're educated. You are aware of the immense uh, contribution that you are able to provide to our country through voting. And I hope you are prioritizing it. Beyond that, I hope you're prioritizing uh, voting the exact way that you want. You can omit who you vote for if you need to. You do not have to vote how your family does, your parents do, your your partner does, your reference group does, your church does. That That is the thing. It is your vote, not theirs. People will go out of their way to try to project something about your character on you. They will try to undermine your knowledge, your research, your due diligence, and your ability to make your own decision by saying your opinion's a product of somebody else's doing and you're just some sort of bystander in your own life. Like, it's ridiculous. Don't let anybody tell you how to feel or what you know or what you should or shouldn't do because just like they were allowed the personal freedom and evolution of thought and experience to be able to vote in the way that they want you should be entitled to the same and there's absolutely no argument anybody can provide you or me that says why they should be allowed to make up their own mind and you can't make up yours so especially for people in environments where you are subject to a lot of groupthink or pressure uh please 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 Think for yourself. Think about the country that you want to uh, work toward and what will best serve you, your needs, other women's needs. Um, you know, we support a Biden-Harris ticket here rather than some elaborate uh, declarations or uh, detailed political commentary. I just try to every you know week after week communicate the same values I've always had. 
Um, but I just think we're in a very dire, divisive place. And I feel like a lot of times people who complain about that are moderate and trying to hide something. And I'm just, I'm not, I just honestly, like as a sensitive person, it's a bit much for me. And I try to treat people the way that I want to be treated and the way I want to be treated as like an intelligent person who can make up my own mind, but wants to know who you're voting for. And hopefully we'll, you know, understand how that's been conveyed through your values, if anything, confirmed through your words. And I don't need everybody with a platform everywhere demanding I do exactly what they say they should. Um, I respect the hell out of you guys. I know you know what's best for you, your family. And as always, the only thing I ask is you be mindful of people that aren't in as favorable as a position as you and your family might be. I understand the desire to vote for what affects you and your immediate universe uh, first and foremost. But I also think it's very important to consider um, what it would be like to be in a position where all you had was the hope that somebody like you was advocating for you. You know what I mean? And, you know, it's what one therapist called a debilitating uh, level of empathy. <laughs> I, uh, you know... I just, I I think I just have the softest spot for just like what it would be like living in a world that was completely designed to work against you, that didn't believe you, that didn't believe your pain, didn't believe your experience, that thought just because of some, you know, whether it's a family, a race, a situation, you were just born into by the great lottery of this world that for some reason you were more deserving of a thing than another. I just, there's so much more to politics, like there's so much more to, like public policy. My God, like, please read and do your due diligence, everything everywhere. But I mean, in terms of where I overlap in my core competency with the millennial lifestyle, women's issues, um, and kind of pop culture overlap or typically social issues and while I incorporate politics where I can, like denouncing QAnon for 40 minutes, one episode, it's not the thing I talk about all the time, but there are certain intersections. So it's one of those things where it's like people think you need to not go into uh, politics at all or like be collectively exhaustive. I'm not going like, to hop into foreign policy right now um, at the end of this podcast, but uh, just going along with the themes of the facets of politics we've talked about. Hopefully you know where I stand. I don't want I just feel like I sometimes I feel like influencers are the most condescending they treat their audience as like they're stupid and it's so rude it's like empower people don't make them feel like you don't think that they are competent enough to do all this themselves I just feel like people are like did you know that you should vote and it's like yeah thank you uh but if you want to just provide resources tell me how before you insult me that'd be chill uh okay guys um I'm going to play my manic dusty manic dusty <laughs> manic dixie oh my god it's so late i'm so tired manic pixie dream girl song it's me and joseph gordon levitt at the hip la bar somebody says hey you sig sugar town nice say loki doke i'm playing here at the bar tonight won't be much just enough to get me through <laughs> I, too, fantasize about a day when I can say, what do you know, we made our dreams come true. What a, what a cool feeling that must be. I find this song really empowering uh, just to show the evolution of how you never think your circumstances will change and then before you know what they do. And that's a really cool thing. So I hope all of you are hanging in there. Take care of yourself. Leave a review. Share with a friend. I love you so much. Have a great weekend. Happy Halloween. As always, let me know your thoughts. 
and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five, I swear. Deep, deep, deep.